4: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
4: My God, this is like winning the lottery on your birthday while in a strip club and it's two for ones going on. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio. You can check out the show on the iHeartRadio app, and we do it every single week from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The reason I said that and I open up the show that way, Brady, is it's always a joy to get to do the show with you. You're my guy. You know that. But the fact that we get to do it and we go on the air at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock in Hawaii – and there's still a late game going on, and we've got Sunday night football. As the uh, in-laws would say, Brady, in Tijuana, Dios mio.
5: <laughs> All I can say is this. Uh, I'm still feeling the hit through the TV that uh, Derek Carr just took a few moments ago. <laughs> He's He tough, got man. absolutely rocked by Avery of Cleveland, and uh, I, I, I kind of got short of breath just watching that, that take place. Uh, however, this game's in overtime. Uh, we can kind of go back and forth about why that's the case and if there's a chance that it might end up in a tie. Um, but that ugly rule, that roughing the passer rule, did you see the call in Arden Key earlier today?
4: I I saw rumblings of it, but I was watching oh. the other 15 to 20 games that were all going on at the same time. The Red Zone channel today was out of its mind. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how Siciliano uh, at, at one point doesn't just collapse during the, the coverage of the Red Zone channel. Scott Hansen. Well, I, I out here on the West Coast, I think we get it split. I think you get Scott huh. Hanson on the East Coast, and we get Andrew Siciliano. Interesting, yeah. Interesting.
5: Either way, you know, I, I've I've kind of my the hardest thing about trying to absorb all the games and watch everything is if you're watching the red zone, you do get to see a lot of scores, a lot yeah. of action, but you don't really get to see the nuts and the bolts of a game. Like I still have to go back and watch all these games to go back over stuff. Whereas if you just watch kind of game by game, you might only get a few in. But, you know, again, by our show on Sunday night, it's kind of tough to see everything. But usually, like, by Monday, Tuesday, you can get in the rest of the games and kind of watch them more efficiently. That way. Like, that's always my struggle is trying to watch all these games is –
4: like, the red zone package is nice, but it's kind
5: of better for fantasy football players.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's – it's Cliff Notes, right? It's 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 is cheating. Even Cliff, Notes? Cliff Cliff's Notes or Cliff Note, whatever. It's to where they take a novel and they chop it down uh, by like three fourths, and they give you the abbreviated version. That's what the Red Zone Channel is. It. I mean, I, I, I that's a good comparison, right? Yeah, uh, analogy. But um, I I probably wouldn't.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could call it that. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. I don't I don't know if that's perfect, but it works.
4: Yeah. Um. I now you should you know consider doing what I do. Um and I don't know if you're into all this um but I call it the uh the Forte film coverage all right the Forte film coverage you know why I call it that Brady Quinn I have no idea uh, cuz I watch the all 22s and Matt Forte award number 22 so I call it the mm. Forte film coverage mm. uh, but I'm an all 22 guy I don't know if you're into that I don't know if you're into watching tape like I do but that's just kind of what I do yeah
5: you know what yeah. I mean what are the two angles of the all 22
4: uh, I, don't, listen, I don't want to talk about it on the air. I'm not here to make people feel okay. bad about themselves. Yeah. I'm just here to showcase how great I am and then everybody else can soar through their own problems. Sure. And I think that's, a, sure. that's yeah, an easy way to go through life. Yeah. Yeah. Um by the way, uh, so the Raiders and the Browns are in overtime, 3:20 left to go. The Raiders with a third and one right now as they are trying to get on the board. Now because both teams have had possession of the football, next score wins. Yep. So um whether it's a field goal field or safety, goal. whatever, uh doesn't yeah. matter. Next score will win for the uh for the Raiders Drop and the Browns. Drop kick, whatever. Um I I do I would venture to guess that the reason that we're in overtime and the Raiders tying the game Um, There will be some controversy because there was a change to a spot call. Um, It looked like the, the Browns had a first down. It looked like to me it was a first down. Maybe I have not seen every single angle, but I saw at least two or three Unfortunately, after it was ruled first down on the field, even Dean Blandino, when they went to him live in the booth. By the way, it's weird seeing Dean Blandino not wearing an affliction shirt. But when they went to Dean Blandino (laughs) in the broadcast center, Dean Blandino said, yeah, there's no way you overturn this. There's not enough evidence. There's not enough there. They overturned it. And because of that, the Browns had a fourth and half a yard maybe. Yeah. Maybe less than half a yard. The Browns had to, had to punt the ball away. Raiders went down, scored, and got the two point conversion. Thus, here we are in overtime. I would imagine Browns fans are going to be pissed.
5: Well, look, there, there's a reason why I began by saying and talking about the rough roughing the passer penalty in Arden Key because he didn't even take him to the ground. He didn't even make contact really with his helmet. He kind of, you know, hit Baker Mayfield after, right after he released the football and then let up immediately. But was still called for roughing the passer and and there's been some calls, there's been some no calls or lack thereof throughout the course of this game where I'm watching and thinking to myself, like, all those things kind of add up. Like I, I know you're going to want to harp on that specific play. But if they get the if they get a sack there, maybe Cleveland's not in the position right. uh, to be winning, it. maybe they're coming back at the end, and they're in the position that Oakland was in. So it, I just you, you can never make it all about one particular call. Uh, that that's my biggest gripe and issue is when people talk about that. There's too many little things early in the game too that add up and end up you know kind of impacting the game or affecting you later on.
4: Uh, by the way, Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> I don't know like does he not look as good as he's looked in the last couple of years at least? Um, he just broke off a run in overtime here where it looked like vintage Marshawn Lynch. He had another run in the game that they actually called him down, and he was still moving forward, and they blew the call, or else he would have broken it for a big gainer if not a touchdown. Marshawn Lynch looks as good as he's looked, um, and, and it looks like the Raiders, who now have another first down, we were at the two-minute warning there at the O. toilet in Oakland. Uh, the Raiders looking to uh, get John Gruden his first win in a decade. Over a decade, Brady. How about that? I know
5: it's it's uh, it's ridiculous. However, I was rooting for the Brownies in this case. You know, it's like they. It'd be nice to see them get two in a row, and and Baker Mayfield kind of carry on. With the solid performance he had a week ago, but you know Cleveland just can't have anything, everything. Uh, uh, so
4: and and Mayfield and he, I was I was thinking about this uh, while I was doing my highly rated weekend overnight show, and you were not on a red eye. I was thinking about this uh, doing the show last night that Baker Mayfield was pretty much in a no win situation this week Um because he he performed so well in his debut that the expectations, no matter what, were going to be unrealistic, and I don't know. Because everybody views him as the savior, and you know what it's like to be the, the savior in Cleveland and and the golden boy and everybody. like, it, Aren't the expectations a little out of what? He's still a rookie, right? He's still yeah. a rookie on a team that, that's got you know, two wins in three years or something like that. I, I think that people need to curb their enthusiasm on, Breaker, on Baker Mayfield and understand he's going to go through the same roller coasters as everybody else. He's turned the ball over three times in this game.
5: Yeah, actually, I think he's been responsible for four now, um, if I'm not mistaken. I thought there was a couple interceptions and maybe a couple fumbles, but anyway, anyway, semantics. Um, I, I think that's the toughest thing for any of these rookie quarterbacks. I mean, I, as bad as I feel like Baker Mayfield has it, at least I feel like Cleveland's defense is in a better spot, and they've got some, you know, some weapons, some experienced guys, at least in, in Jarvis Landry uh, and some of the other players who are there before him. Uh, like David Njoku, who's in a much better spot, and, and Rashard Higgins, who's improved a bunch, uh, as well as Carlos Hyde. Guys like that he can rely on in the backfield. But you look at Josh Allen and the situation he's at in Buffalo, it's just that there's, there's no real help. And besides a shocking or surprising win last week versus Minnesota, uh, this week you kind of saw them reveal themselves again. And and, and he's, he's someone who doesn't have any help. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold with the New York Jets, he's somebody who doesn't have any help. I mean, nothing against Quincy and Nunwa, he's a really good wide receiver. I don't know that you're looking at him as a top 10, top 15, 16 wide receiver in the league. No. Right? So if you're gonna look at a team's best wide receiver and you can't put him in the top half of the league, if you can't even necessarily rank him in the top thirty two wide receivers in the league, I mean that's not a number one. And it's it's, you know, maybe fair, maybe not. To say that.
4: Uh, Well, I mean, it seems like... And I almost want to say that you and I were on the air. Were we on the air uh, during Sam Darnold's debut... Or, or Sam Darnold's debut uh, on Monday Night Football against the Lions. We were. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were, we were working now. that show, and, and people were going nuts, and it was pandemonium, and the Jets were back, and they found their, their savior of the franchise, and he's going to take over New York, and Sam Darnold is a stud, and the Browns whiffed by not taking Sam Darnold. Since then, they're 0-3, and they've been outscored 72-31. to I mean, again, that's not all Sam Darnold's fault, but the Jets aren't what we thought they were. You can't freak out over just a week one result. So the Raiders are going for the win, Brady, here. 29-yard attempt to win the game, tied at 42 against the Browns, and the kick is up, and it is good, and the toilets are overflowing. John Gruden has ripped off his visor, and somewhere in Oakland, somebody in the black hole has tears running down their face paint with two thoughts in their mind. One, we finally won a game. And two, I'm in my fifties and I've got face paint on and it's not Halloween. <laughs> so congratulations to the Oakland Raiders. You are back. Oh man. Can we get Autumn uh, and, Wind? Can we get <laughs> what do we gotta do to get Autumn Wind in here? Think
6: think
5: about if they just didn't play on a crappy field that's that's a baseball field. Think about that. <laughs> maybe they would have no. been in this position in the first place, and maybe Matt McCrane wouldn't have missed two kicks earlier in the game. Uh by like, if they just want to put in some sod. Okay, that's all we're asking for is a little sod,
4: you know? Hey, hey you know there's t-shirts that can be made. Now that I realize it, that it's Matt McCrane, Um how many how many fun little shops out there. We should copyright this. We probably shouldn't say it on the air but screw it. Um are going to come out with uh McCrane kick. Like the like the karate kid, the crane yeah. kick, yeah. McCrane kick, but they'll show him kicking a field goal to win the game uh, for John Gruden his first in uh in uh, like like 39 years. Huh? Yeah, probably probably
5: no one's gonna come up with that. Um and I also don't know that John Gruden
4: again because this this went into overtime,
5: I bet he didn't even talk to Matt McCrain. At some point he won't even acknowledge he exists because of his earlier
4: mistakes. Did you hear so Gruden was saying this week, um and by the way, if you're just tuning in and you missed the last fifteen seconds, the Raiders did win. Uh, if you did you hear Gruden this week who said he doesn't mind the dirt infield or the dirt being the baseball diamond being part of the field. He wishes he could play every game like that because it's old school and he loves old school football. I have, how's that old school? I, I don't know. I've never met anybody that's ever played in that stadium or on a baseball diamond who thought, you know what I want? I want to get tackled on that again. That's, that's what I'd like to have happen. How, how would the fact that they are a, an NFL team in 2018 and are sharing a stadium with a baseball team is bad enough. I mean, even Miami got it together and, and split those up. The fact that the Raiders are there and you wonder why they're moving to Vegas—terrible, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. That's
5: that's part of it, and and they don't even know if they have a home, by the way, uh, next next year. Like that's still up in debate. <laughs> um, so it, it's do they come back to the crap hole and share with the baseball team for for their last year, their final chapter, if you will. Uh, or do they go ahead and just get the heck out of town and, and try to figure out a better solution?
4: Yeah. well, What do you think? They maybe they'll just uh, you know, play the play their home games like in the parking lot at the Luxor. You know, like I'm, just,
5: I'm sure John Gruden would like that. It's yeah. old school. <laughs> you, I, old I feel school, like
4: man. you know I'm not going to let Brady's negativity take away and bury the lead here. I, I refuse to let Brady's negativity bury the lead here on Fox Sports Radio, and the lead being that the Oakland Raiders are back. They are back, Brady Quinn. <laughs> a 45 42 win in overtime. Uh, some guy named, what is it, Mitch McCrane or Matt McGloin? Matt, What's his name? Matt McCrane. Yeah, who Not cares? Yeah, Matt uh, all right, I'll call him Jeff Jager. Jeff Jager with a game winning kick for the Oakland Raiders, and the Raiders are on the win column. It is a, a first win of the season for the Raiders, the first in 71 decades for John Gruden as the Raiders beat the Browns. And we've got it wall-to-wall coverage of it for like the next 30 seconds here on Fox Sports Radio. Any other thoughts on this game, Brady? Any no. I, I'm all out. Okay. I really didn't have much for you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are on E. We are, we are pushing the car towards the uh, towards the pump to try and fill up. All right. Uh, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming up next, there is something that Brady Quinn is really, really familiar with. In fact, he knows this better than almost anybody you will hear on the radio. But it's completely changed. And I have the proof. Find out what we're talking about next here on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Coming up here momentarily, we're going to discuss something that Brady knows intimately here on Fox Sports Radio. Careful, ladies. We're just talking football. Uh, We will get to that here uh, momentarily. (laughs) Uh, By the way, this song playing by the band 311, they're not that great. But um, do you hear the snare drum? Sounds a little bit different. It's called a piccolo snare. Has a different sound effect to it when they mic it up.
5: I, I, I don't even know Literally. what the snare drum sounds like. It's, I can't it, even distinguish it between it's, everything.
4: It's else. the one. It's a boo boo. It's the uh, the higher pitch bobo. Like, oh, like okay, raise the I, I you're you're now. Yeah, it sounds differently. It's a different different sounding it's snare. It's the drum. highest sounding like hit, right? Yes, it's called a uh, piccolo snare.
5: A piccolo snare. Yeah. Huh. How about that? Look at that! You learn something new every day.
4: Spring that on uh, on on one of your buddies um, during the TV broadcast. You know, bl- like b- blow them away with that. A little bit of info, a little bit of uh, feedback. Huh? Little yeah, music working
5: stuff. that under the broadcast is going to be interesting. Well, tell uh, you.
4: think of it. Do you do any games in Nebraska this year? Uh, not. No. Not. Not to my knowledge that we will. Any so. Nebraska games at all this year? Probably
5: not, okay. considering how uh how bad this yes. no one is this year. i going to say Scott Frost. Yeah. <laughs> not what we thought we year one.
4: <laughs> I was going to say if you do a Nebraska game, 311 the band is from Nebraska, so that's how you can put okay. that in. What Omaha, I assume everyone's from like Omaha or Lincoln. Who in two places. Hey, I got to right? be honest with you. Who cares? Are we on the air? Um, all right, so Brady Quinn, I want to get to you on this uh, because I think you know this very, very well. Uh, first, of all, I want to let you know we are brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back. When it comes to the safety and industrial supplies that help your facility running, get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. All right, we are about ready for kickoff in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. It is Steelers. It is Ravens. This was my my favorite rivalry in the NFL. 49ers Seahawks for a couple of years was pretty good, but but Raven Steelers always felt like the most physical, most violent matchup in the NFL as far as rivalries go. You played in the AFC North for a long time. You played against both these teams countless times. When you think Raven Steelers, first thing that comes to mind is what?
5: Uh, a uh, a headache, like the worst hangover you've <laughs> ever had uh, ever. Like, waking up the next day, your entire body feels like that, though. So so take the worst hangover headache you've ever had and then spread it throughout your body, and that is essentially what it feels like to play against either one of these teams. And, and what I'm saying is it's going to be physical. You're going to have to play tough. You're going to get knocked around. That's every position, you know, even the kicker. Someone's going to kick the kicker's ass at some point. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's, that's what I think of. And it sounds terrible to admit, but... You know, being a part of the Browns, like I even enjoyed the rivalry between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And even though I couldn't stand either one of those teams, but you had so much respect after you'd played against them. So I can't wait to watch it. Um, I, you know, I think I give the Steelers the edge because they're at home. And because I, I don't think they've played their best football game yet. Um, so I think this is kind of that moment where all of a sudden they do it on primetime. Uh, as Alex Collins you know, rips off a run for a first down on the very first play.
4: That's nah, all right. Uh, they'll make that up at some point. Yeah. Um, here's, uh, And this is what I think is interesting about this game. So the over-under point total, which is the uh, the amount of points that, that Vegas has determined they think is going to be scored. Is that under. how that works? Yes. Is that what that over-under yes, is? Yes, that's what that is. I've, I've been trying to figure that for, out for a while it's, it's for the kids out there that don't dabble in the gambling universe. Mm, okay. um, this is what it is. So the point total is at 51. It's the highest point total... In the history of this matchup, so is that an indicator? How much? Um, I, I mean, I, I have no idea. But I, I, I don't know uh, the exact well, number. But do, do you want to know what it's an indicator of? That the defense. Do, do you want me to tell you exactly yeah, what it's an indicator feed me, of? Feed me, okay. educate me, please. I, I will
5: do my best impression of Jonas Knox on the air. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers defense stinks. It stinks. They're awful. That's basically how you kind of refer to bad defenses. Hmm. That's how the Steelers' defense has been. Now, they have Joe Hayden back. He's kind of been back, but I think he's closer to being healthy now. But this defense has been awful, or in the Hmm. words of Jonas
4: Knox, stinks. Hmm. No? I I I feel like there was some spite there. I I feel like something – Okay. No? I mean, because if we're going to do impressions, I mean, I could, I could very easily. Are you going to do, do who I think mean, you're going to do right I, I, now? You a little Chris Collins. I mean, like, I mean, they're I'm just down. This. You know, what's, since, what's since, Joe going to do? Oh yeah. man, what a run right there! Like that. <laughs> like when you think Steelers, Ravens, that's what you think. Just physical football, pound it, and look at Mike Toland. Mike Toland thinking to himself. I mean, uh, I want to get out there. I'll strap it on. I mean, don't forget this guy tripped up somebody on a kickoff return one time. I mean, this is this is amazing. <laughs> What's happening?
5: There it is. Did you see, Mike Tomlin strap something on.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, did I cross the streams there? Well, Bobo's so the I, one that drew my
5: attention to it. Yeah. Sure I, I, I don't know.
4: About. Yeah, I did. I, I forgot. Uh, this I I confused Mike Tomlin with a member of the staff. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> that is, you know, my my, uh, my fault. My apologies. Um. All right. So so this game. So you see it at fifty one. So the Steelers defense. Let me ask you, this, somebody who breaks down tape and watches this stuff. And, yeah. and, and tracks these teams. Have they just not been able to figure it out since Ryan Shazier?
5: You know, everyone wants to point to that. I, I don't necessarily see that being the case. You know, you go back to last week versus Tampa, I thought early on a couple things, just some stupid penalties. I mean, honestly, they just they would put themselves in bad position. That was where it started. And then to, to me, it's more on their defensive coordinator. You know, I, I don't necessarily know if um, it was a Keith Butler. I don't know if it's Keith or Kevin, but I think it's Keith. But he, he just doesn't mix up and give him a greater variety of coverages, blitzes. I mean, I, I remember back in the day, back when Dick LeBeau was there, you always had to be worried about you know, your blitz zone. And that's usually where you look at the wide side of the field, they're going to bring two players, probably two linebackers or a secondary player and a linebacker. And even though you knew it was coming, it was still tough to stop. I mean, you could have the perfect protection. You could have the perfect answer. It didn't matter. It was because their personnel was probably better than yours, and they were going to bring that blitz, and they were going to get the ball out quick, or they are going to create some sort of disruptive play. And I don't see that anymore, man. Like I don't, I don't see teams being scared of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and maybe that's because Paul is not there and James Harrison's not there, and um, you can go on down the line of some of the best players they've had, but I think they've got a ton of talent. Um, it's not just about Ryan Shazier. It's about them not disguising coverages as much, not being as aggressive with things. You know, All those things add up to me, and I think that's been the biggest difference.
4: Well, they talk about, and, and you would know this better than anybody, complementary football. They say, oh, is it complementary football? Is the offense complementing the defense? Do they play offensively a style of football that, that isn't conducive? to having a defense out there that, that's that's rested all the time that doesn't feel like I
5: don't, I don't buy into that notion. I think when people talk about I mean it'd be one thing if they're up tempo, right? If Pittsburgh ran some sort of fast paced Chip Kelly up tempo like we saw them run with the Eagles, and then you're like, man, your defense is out on the field a ton, whether they're having a good day or not, it doesn't matter because 'cause they're so up tempo. That's that's not the case in the NFL. Um, you know, it's a running clock, you know, these guys aren't on aren't out on the field quite as much. Um, I think when you think about complimenting football in the NFL, it really more means when your offense is struggling, can your defense be stout? Or when your offense turns the football over, you know, in the, in the, and you give them the ball in the red zone, can you force them to a field goal instead of a touchdown? That's more what people are talking about, like being complementary of one another to help each other out. And that's that's what I don't think they've had at all. And it's 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 been a defense that's just really struggled. And even when the offense has been okay and, and found a rhythm. The defense hasn't been able to step up, so that that's been the biggest issue to me. But Keith Butler's the person that, since he's taken over, there's just no juice, man. I mean, there's no energy, there's no you know pressure, there's no like terrible towels, you know, making you feel like you can't go into Pittsburgh and and beat them. Uh, they just you don't you don't get any of that sense of that feeling.
4: And we've got a touchdown for the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco opening drive, eight plays, seventy-five yards. Joe Flacco with a touchdown pass. Uh, in Pittsburgh, extra point pending, and the way extra points work nowadays, who the F knows what's going to end up with that football? But uh, the Ravens are up six to nothing. So, to your point, and we talked about it, uh, the issue has been defense, and, and there it is on full display.
5: Well, and, and look who he beat, too, right? I mean, it's been already Burns a lot. Now that's Joe Hayden. If that's, if that's your best cornerback, right? And all of a sudden he can't cover in one on one coverage, you got some issues. So, here's a solution go play cover two, man. He used to do it all the time back in the day. Play a little cover two or fig- get one of those guys to figure out how to switch off a route. I mean, everyone's looking back in the backfield. Play more man to man. You know, they've been, t- they've been typically more of a zone team. So I just, it just seems like Keith Butler doesn't have any sort of solutions. And you, you know, you can play one on the personnel all you want, but eventually, you know, it's got to point somewhere else. The coach has to put him in positions to succeed.
4: Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming up next here, uh, maybe the most bizarre sequence of decisions in recent NFL history, all right? And somebody's going to get a lot of heat for this. Find out who we're talking about next on Fox Sports Radio, but for all the latest from around the world of sports, oh boy, get Tom Brokaw ready, all right? Sit back, recline the seat, and pay your respects to the gas man David Gargan. David Gascon <laughs> What's going on guys <laughs> What's up Dave uh,
0: Not just back to back weeks that you uh, flaked on drinks it's uh, it's all wow. good like, Did we have plans we this did? week We did yeah Yeah we did Yeah What what day was that I don't know it was the day that you started taking pictures at Mastro's and sent them to me and
4: So where are you at buddy No that was that was I pulled that off the internet that was not that was not me. Is that is that
5: the one where you get a picture of like a beer on a, a Mastros napkin? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You've you know gotten a couple. You know what's of great us. about that? Yeah, you know what's great about that is he just takes one and then he just sends it to everyone. <laughs> like they're not unique per person. That that's how that's how look. authentic or genuine Jonas Knox is. Uh, uh, l- he never recycles material yeah. if you know what I mean. Well
4: yeah. l- look, l- listen to this, all right? <laughs> I have I have stock beer photos that are my go-to because not much changes. Okay, I'm not as gifted as Draymond Green where whatever I take it's going to work. You know what I mean? As far as pictures go. So, I've got a stock beer picture that I send out. Could be worse, man.
0: Nice, back-to-back weeks. Anyways, guys, moving forward, as Jonas mentioned, Ravens went right down the field. John Brown, a 33-yard touchdown reception. Baltimore drawing first blood in Pittsburgh, 7 to nothing. there. Browns and Raiders, that ballgame had to go to overtime. For the
6: win. It's good. Ring the church bells. The Raiders are a winner. Just finished, baby. How about that? Finally got one. Hugs go all around. What a gutsy
0: game! Raiders Radio Network. Who do you think Musburger took in this? It was Oakland minus two and a oh, half. You
4: know what? That is that is a, <laughs> that is a damn uh, reckless comment by David Gaskin. I would like to apologize to Brett Musburger. Second down and nine.
5: You don't you don't like his call for the Raiders? I love him.
4: I Brett, think he's awesome. He's fantastic. And Lincoln yeah. Kennedy is such an awesome guy. He does a show here on Fox. Yeah, and he's such a good Lincoln. dude. <laughs> yeah, he might be awesome. one of the biggest
5: human beings I've ever seen. Though.
4: He That's he true. shook my hand one time. And I just wanted to go to bed and never wake up. Like I it was- feel like
5: I feel like I'm like a six foot four, two hundred thirty pound baby compared to him. Yeah. Like sometimes I just want him to rock me and just you know put me to sleep. You know, your
0: uh, executive producer called you small last week, uh, sitting next to uh, Joe Davis, right? Did he? Yeah, he said, "Wow, Brady's small
2: now, like
0: really small." Wow.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't wow. know what I don't know what's up with Gascon today, calling everybody out. But I mentioned that Davis just looked like he was taller than you, and I pointed out that he you must be on like a lower chair or something. Nah.
5: Short, short is- torso. We actually sit yeah. on the same height of a
2: desk. That's exactly what torso. I no. said. I don't, know why, I don't know why Gascon's trying to set the bill on legs. fire today. So yeah.
4: A uh, short, short torso. What do you quint? What do you quint, <laughs> yeah. quint from Jaws? Short, Did you get bitten in half? <laughs> yeah. what you, I you got, got long legs, man. Long, short torso, long legs. Tell me about it. Know? Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, I don't know, but tell me about long it. Seriously, long legs. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I don't know what, what that update was, but we appreciate did we, it. Did we get anything in? I have no idea. All right. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. <laughs> it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, let's please, if we could, talk about the finish <laughs> to Texans Colts, because what the hell was that, man? So, just to, just to summarize it. <laughs> okay, Well, uh, okay. go ahead and summarize it. I, I, I want to backtrack
5: before before we get into it too much, because I think there's some philosophical questions we need to address before we get into some of the decision-making, but
4: go ahead. Uh, okay, so they're in overtime. Bill O'Brien sitting at 0-3, down 3 in overtime, with like two minutes and change left, something like that. Not a lot of time. Bill O'Brien decides to kick the field goal and tie the game, kick a 29-yard field goal as opposed to going for the win. How much time left again? Two minutes and change. Gotcha. Not not much change, by the way. Like, yeah. like, like Closer was, to two minutes than three. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot of time left. So he gives the ball back. Now everybody's ripping Bill O'Brien because they can't understand why Bill O'Brien is doing what he's doing. You're 0-3 you go for the win, man. At this point, like, why are you settling for a tie? So Indianapolis gets the ball back. They they drive a little bit. They get they approach midfield, but they're still in their own territory. And there's a fourth down play, fourth and five, maybe fourth and eight, something like that. And Andrew Luck throws right side incomplete pass. It stops the clock, and they turn the ball over on down. So Frank Reich decides. I'm going for the win. Even though he's in his own territory, I'm going for it. We're tied. I'm going to take my chance. They throw right side, incomplete pass, stops the clock, um, but a turnover on down, it wouldn't have mattered. They were short of the first down anyways. And Houston gets the ball back. They complete a long pass with under 20 seconds left to DeAndre Hopkins. They spike the ball. Houston kicks the field goal. They win in overtime. Honest to God, we were texting, and I'm telling you, man, I I'm so confused. I don't know what to think. Like, <laughs> it was like I was watching the end of the Crying Game. Like I had no idea what to think. Like what's happening here? It just bizarre. Um, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, okay,
5: so so Bill O'Brien, you mentioned the Houston Texans zero three. His initial decision to kick a field goal at that point in like sudden death overtime, right? You don't have a win yet, and yet you're you're kicking a field goal. That the odds are you're probably not going to end up with a win. Like you're probably going to still be winless, but you'll be oh three and one. Um, I was trying to think of like an analogy, like the closest thing I could come to that w- that would be like it's kind of like having a bad day, and and someone gives you like a winning lotto t- lottery ticket, and s- instead of accepting that, you just you're like you know what? Why don't you just buy me like a I don't know. Uh, a smoothie or something, <laughs> right? Like, like you know, my day has been bad. I wish I'd take the lotto ticket. You know what? I'm gonna cut my losses. Just, just give me a, give me a smoothie. That, that would make my day a little bit better. It's definitely not gonna make it a good day, uh. But it, you know, it'd be nice to have a smoothie right now instead of just a lotto ticket and winning millions. Um, that's a terrible analogy, probably.
4: But that's all right, decision, We'll delete it off the podcast.
5: The decision to, to kick the field goal at that point, I just, I kept thinking, like, what does this change? Like, do you really feel better talking to your team after a game if it would have stayed a tie football game and you would have ended up 0-3-1? Like, I have no idea what type of message you could say to your team because you already spoke the loudest message on the field by kicking a field goal instead of going for it. Now, we go to the the Colts. So Frank Reich, on the other hand, he's okay with it, man. He's like, you know what? I'm going to show my guys we're here to win. We're not here to tie, you know. We're not going to punt the football away. We're not going to try to do any of that. We're here to win the game, and that'll that'll get you. That'll cost you your job at some point. Uh, if you're having a bad enough season, you make that sort of you know decision. Now he's a first-year head coach, so I think he can get away with it, and I think the players in the locker room, to be quite honest, probably respect him for it. Uh, But the way things worked out, I've seen it cost them the game.
4: Okay, uh, here is Frank Reich, the Colts head coach. By the way, uh, it should be noted, um, the final head coaching hire of the offseason because they uh, posted that the job had already been accepted by Josh McDaniels, even though they didn't have his contract uh, returned to him, but they jumped the gun because that's the Indianapolis Colts. But here is Frank Reich, uh, the Indianapolis Colts head coach, and I think option Z on their coaching list of candidates uh, following the decision on fourth down in overtime.
6: We're not playing to tie. I mean, we're going for that ten times out of ten. That's just the way it's got to roll. Yeah, I think that's who we're going to be as a team. You know, we're, we're going to be aggressive. That's what that's what we want in our players. That's a mindset that we have in our players. That's the only way to win in this league, I think.
4: So here, well, okay. apparently not the only way to win because <laughs> right, right. it costs you the win. But yeah, okay. You, you know what? This it's almost like each coach made the decision that the other guy should have made. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like Bill O'Brien made the decision that Frank Reich should have made and play it safe, and Frank Reich made the decision that Bill O'Brien should have made and gone for it on fourth. It's like we're in reverse here. It's it's like having the fastest horse at the track, but he's running backwards. Like you're not like you're going in the opposite direction. You're not going to win this race. It's like we have it in reverse here. I can't. I can't imagine if I'm a Houston Texans player and to your point something you brought up that I, that I do think is important to point out here is where they're at in their job security because if Bill O'Brien were in year 1 like Frank Reich was oh, I'll bet he goes no. for it. Well, of course. And you know, Bill
5: O'Brien's a, it's he's he's not a first-time head coach. He coached before in the college ranks. But he's a first time head coach in the NFL. So, you know, maybe you get a little more leeway when that's the case, right? Like if you had a history of making these sorts of decisions and they don't work out, that's another thing. But yeah, you get the benefit of the doubt if you're Frank right. And people chalk it up to oh, it's just, you know, a first time head coach being aggressive. Whereas God forbid if it was Jeff Fisher, people would have gone nuts about it. Yeah. You know?
4: And then and then he wouldn't come to the mall with me afterwards. <laughs> The iPhone bummer, store, right? Yeah. The Apple store? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, he was wearing a... Did I tell you, when I saw Jeff Fisher in the mall, he was wearing a flannel shirt. You know who he looked like? Uh, Kurt Russell off Overboard. Dean Prophet. I don't know he why... He did have a mustache, th- though. Yeah, he did. Well, no, But the same style. The hair. And oh, like a, Yeah, like similar said. style. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't really yeah. looking at his face. Coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio... We are going to be joined by a victorious NFL player. And if you want to know who it is, too bad. you got to wait for after the commercial because we're having it for you next. There's just a fun way to get it in. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. So we promised you you were going to hear from a stud. You were going to hear from somebody who balled out on Sunday in a big win and that's somebody joins us now here on Fox Sports Radio. Gary On Conley of the Oakland Raiders is with us here. Gary Jonas Knox, Brady Quinn. Thanks for popping on, man. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me.
4: Um, first of all, man, what was that what was the energy like in that place when you guys went to overtime and you finally won it on that kick?
3: Oh, uh, it was exclu- uh, exclusive, man. I never felt that before. Uh, just getting that win, like boosted our confidence and created more chemistry with our teammates you know it just felt good to get that win because we worked so hard in practice and just to go out there and get a dub it just feels real good.
5: Garyon did you guys feel a lot of additional pressure from John Gruden it seems like once you guys traded away Khalil Mack there was a lot of pressure on you guys on defense to be able to kind of make up for his absence you know almost like John Gruden wanted to tell you guys, like, you guys are going to be fine without one of your best players. Did you feel the additional pressure from him after that move?
3: Uh, I mean, I didn't feel additional pressure. I feel like this is pressure being in the league in general. You got to come play every game because everybody's in the league for a reason. So everybody's capable of winning or losing. So I just felt like we just had to worry about what we had in the room and just take that and run with it.
4: Uh, he is on Conley of the Oakland Raiders with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox, Brady Quinn here on FSR. So a pick six, you had a pick six in the first quarter early on against Baker Mayfield. Have you heard the call from the great Brett Musburger yet? Have you heard Brett Musberger's call of your pick six?
3: No, I haven't.
4: All right, do you want to hear it now? Yeah. This guy's a legend. The fact that he's calling your pick six of Baker Mayfield, here it is.
6: Sooner or later, Mayfield will try to test Conley, who's lined up on the right side of the defense. From the gun, looks that direction, looks against him. Deflected, intercepted, Conley on the ricochet. Conley 20, Go for the end zone, baby. Touchdown, Raiders! Doesn't that give
4: you goosebumps, man?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's getting me killed, man.
4: <laughs> like, uh-huh. like... <laughs> <laughs> there it is um, and, and here's and, and I have a, a just a follow up question for you because John Gruden said he loves playing on the dirt he loves the baseball field being on the stadium can we just be honest with each other it sucks playing on a baseball diamond doesn't it Seriously.
3: Uh, I ain't got no
5: answers.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: just tell them, man. Tell them you'll pay for it. You know, you're a first-round pick. Tell them you'll put in some sod. You'll put in some nice grass for them. They can hey, pick it up when their athletics need to play. Chip in and
3: pay for that. If they ask me, I will chip in and pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heck, I'll, I'll, hey, I'll chip in and pay
5: for it just so you don't, you know, you don't have to carry the burden. Uh, what do you see in Baker Mayfield, though? Yeah, not only just it with the interception, but what do you see in him in your film prep
3: and all that? You think he's going to be pretty good? Yeah, I mean, I played against him in college, so I I remember that, Um, but yeah, he's a real competitive guy, and he has probably one of the better, like, confidence mindsets, he never gets down, I feel like he always has confidence in the game, no matter what's going on, and he's a real good player.
4: Um, Gary on speaking of Ohio State we know you are an alum of Ohio State uh, I'm assuming you watch it's the Ohio okay State whatever Ohio man Jesus. come on for God's sake I mean we've been ball washing him the entire interview we just played his pick six back for hey him. I've I mean- got to
5: call their game this upcoming weekend I've got Ohio State. Oh, okay
4: so so Gary on when you're watching that game on Saturday night and you see James Franklin make that play call on fourth and five at the end of the game what was your first reaction
3: money
5: <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't like that was maybe the worst call you've ever seen
3: yeah I already knew it I was like you know guess game's over Hey, Garyon I, I gotta
5: ask you this quick one only because I saw a roughing the passer penalty called on Arden Key earlier in the game did you guys yeah. ever get an explanation for what he did wrong because he didn't even hit Baker or didn't even take him to the ground
3: no I don't, they didn't give him no explanation I don't know what happened um, Gary, there's a, there's a lot of bad calls out
4: there. Uh, Gary, Gary, on uh, last one from me here. Uh, Gary on Conley of the Oakland Raiders with us here on Fox Sports Radio. I feel like I'm on an island because I've been the only one in the media, and I'm a nobody, so who cares? But that's been defending John Gruden, and and say, man, you know he's not that bad. The Raiders are in a lot of these games. What has been your impression early on of Gruden as your head coach, and how has the team rallied around him even after a controversial move by trading away Khalil Mack?
3: uh coach gruden is a player's coach and i respect him a lot and as a football coach and as a man he showed me his confidence in me uh because i was battling injuries from before and then i got injured in otas and then i got injured again in camp and he never lost faith in me he always just said keep fighting don't lose confidence just keep getting better and that's the one thing he held like when we lost uh first three games he just but the positive mindset, he always comes in to me talking about positive mindset, never negative, don't be negative. And I feel like that's what helps our team like get over these losses and we finally got a win and it feels good.
5: What was the biggest difference between last year and this year for you now coming into your second year, Geron, Because obviously you're playing like the cornerback they drafted you to be last year. I know you battled some injuries and stuff, but what's just been the biggest difference for you?
3: Uh, the difference for me is just mentally. I feel like just battling, knowing that uh, everybody behind me, no matter what. Like, all my teammates, coaches, they always have faith in me no matter what happens. So that really helped me this year, like, improve from last year. So I feel like it's just mentally, I feel like I've just grown a lot.
4: He is Garyon Conley of the Oakland Raiders, a pick six of Baker Mayfield early on in the game, and then an overtime win for his Oakland Raiders. Big weekend for you, Ohio State and the Oakland Raiders. Big wins, back-to-back days. Garyon, thanks so much for popping on, man. We appreciate it.
5: Yep, thanks for having me. Thanks, Gary. Oh, we'll get some sod on the infield for you, too, buddy.
4: Don't worry about that. We'll get all it done. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> yes, all sir. Right, so uh, that was Gary Conley, the Oakland Raiders, here on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, I I don't know. Like Gruden talking about old school football. I love playing on dirt. Come on, man.
5: That's not dirt, by the way, either. Okay, like that.
4: I, I've, I've been in Oakland. It's terrible. Yeah. It, it's like playing on a sandy parking lot. Well, you know, it's not sandy. This show, and I have no idea what that means, but we're next. <laughs> so the quarterback controversy is over. It is done. That's a wrap. One of the great stories in the NFL, killed, disintegrated, all gone. By the decision of one man. And we've got it all for you here coming up in just a couple of minutes. That guy's Brady Quinn. I'm Jonas Knox. This is Fox Sports Radio. We are coming to you live here like we do every single week at this time from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. So, Brady Quinn, we opened up uh, the beginning of this Sunday night football game between the Steelers and the Ravens. you very familiar with the AFC North, and you talked about – when you think AFC North footballs, in particular this matchup, you get headaches. Yeah. Just physicality.
5: A lot of physical play.
4: Yeah. 14 yep. nothing Ravens. Uh 14 nothing uh, highest over under point total that they've set for this game in the history of the of the matchup between these two teams. Um to your point, the defense isn't isn't what it used to be, and so the Steelers are trying to get back into this game at home down 14 to nothing.
5: Yeah, and really it all led from a mistake by Vance McDonald. Um, got stripped by Tony Jefferson. That helped set up the, the next score uh, by the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco. But, it, again, it, it's it's almost like the attention to the details. You know, you can say whatever you want about Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots um, and, and how they handled their business. You Say whatever you want. The bottom line is, as maybe anal as they seem, as cynical as they seem, at the end of the day, they don't have those sorts of mistakes. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think in the back of my mind when you think of like all the dumb penalties that you see them get or mistakes. There's times when they leave guys unblocked or they don't pay attention to the details and they have a, a tight end get stripped, for example. Like I can't think of the last time Rob Gronkowski got stripped like that. Um, and and it's those little details that end up making the difference in the game. And this team is way too talented to be playing the way they are so far this year. I mean, look at you, you go look at the roster, Jonas. Look how many first-round picks they have. It's ridiculous when you look at all the guys that they have that are first-round picks that are good players, too, and yet they just can't seem to all play together. And, and offensively, it's like they have their series where they look like they could be the best in the league, and then there's the three and out. And and you kind of wonder like, all right, is this like the end of the road for Ben Roethlisberger? Do they do they need Le'Veon Bell? Is there something else going on with this team or Antonio Brown? Um, those are those are some of the things that like I think bother me about this team. I think it, it all is a dark, direct correlation to Mike Tomlin, and it's it's the ship that he um, is is the captain of, and the way he runs it, and it's not a tight ship, man. You know, the way they handle business, it's not. And I think a lot of those loose things end up transitioning onto the field with how they play. Well,
4: James Harrison was on Fox Sports Radio a couple of months ago, and he was asked about the difference between the Patriots and the Steelers because he played for both teams a year ago. And James Harrison said it's night and day. Um, There are times when the Steelers, a, a player will get burned on a play on defense and it's because he didn't get the right communication in from the sideline. And he said that stuff doesn't happen in New England. He says that uh, it, everything's more buttoned up, the attention to details, to, to your point. And he just said it's just a better coaching staff. They just they coach that stuff, and and they they put it in your mind. And no matter what, they put you in position, the best position to maximize your skill level. And I think a lot of people maybe around the NFL look at Mike Tomlin and say, man, he's been gifted a lot of talent. I mean, they've had a ton of talent on that team, and yes, he's got a Super Bowl ring, so that's going to buy him some time and more time than, than maybe is deserving. I mean, Jeff Fisher didn't win a Super Bowl, and the guy got an extra 20 years or something on his career. It, you have to think, if this is it and the window is closing, you got to consider it a disappointment, right? They should have done more. Huge disappointment.
5: I mean, arguably, is, is Le'Veon Bell one of the best running backs in the Yes. League? Okay. He's probably not going to be playing for them this year. Maybe he'll come back. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to go when he does decide to come back, if the team will accept him with open arms, or if the, if he'll fake an injury, which James Harrison advised the other day. <laughs> By the um, way, I
4: wish that would happen. Please yeah, let that it, happen. It'd
5: be, it'd be so hard for anyone to prove otherwise, especially if it's a hamstring. But anyway, you know. So let's just say they've kind of pissed away the opportunity with him because he's going to be moving on after this year. Antonio Brown's one of the best wide receivers since he's he's been with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not being able to to do more with him, you can throw that into the conversation. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the, the better quarterbacks, and and you could make the case that they've you know they've had success with him. He's won two, but as talented as he is, slash the, the talent around him, you can make the case they should be playing for more. And then defensively, like I said, all the, the talented players they have. So yeah, I, I don't know that there's any other way of looking at it other than this is a talented team that you know wanted to abide by a coach that you know didn't want to try to I don't know if it's coaching harder is the way to put it, or just the type of environment that he created. It was one in which you know, whether you want to put it on the players for not being more accountable for for what's going on in the locker room or whatever it may be, either way. It's It will be disappointing, I think, for a lot of Steelers fans if they don't see them playing in a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl.
4: Well, it, like if you look around the best coaches, if, like, if I were to ask you, best coach in the NFL is who? Bill Belichick, correct? Yeah. Okay. College football, who's the best coach? Nick Saban. Okay. People look at them as curmudgeons. People look at them as guys with no personality who take it too serious, and they look at a Mike Tomlin guy who's a hype-it-up or a Pete Carroll guy who's a hype-it-up dude. You know the one thing that they never get credit for? Nick Saban and Bill Belichick? Adapting. Because as the NFL has changed or college football has changed, both of those guys have figured out a way and have adapted to each one of them whether it's, it's Bill Belichick going and scouting other, other coaches like a Chip Kelly and seeing how they run practices um, and knowing that that had the value of maybe a Josh McDaniels or Nick Saban looking around and realizing, man, I'm getting torched by Cam Newton. I'm getting torched by Johnny Manziel. Maybe I got to rethink how I'm working my offense here. I don't think they get enough credit for that. And they really do have, they have adapted to things, but I think that they get labeled as this curmudgeon or this uh, 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 somebody who just can't, can't relate to today's athletes. Here's what I know. Every time their backs are against the wall, Alabama and New England always answer the bell. That game against Miami wasn't close today for New England because their backs were against the wall, and you knew they were going to respond. So for all the talk and negative feedback that that Belichick and Saban get, you can't deny the success. I also think it's human nature that we never appreciate
5: the people in our lives who are those um, teachers it could be our mom and dad or just mentors in general who are jerks. We never appreciate him in the moment. And then it's later on when we think about all the different lessons they taught us and we go, you know what? Now that I think about it, like that was the best thing for me. Like that helped shape who I am today. Um, that's always the case. Like we always hate those people in the moment. And that's how I feel like a lot of players probably are with Bill Belichick or how they feel about Nick Saban, especially if you're in Alabama. I mean, a, a lot of players probably don't like that. Human nature, I don't know that we we like being pushed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just the nature of who we are. We'd rather be more comforted. And those guys aren't like that, but they push you past your limits.
4: Didn't Bill Parcells have the same reputation? A lot yeah. of people thought Bill Parcells was way too hard on people. Lawrence yeah. Taylor would take a bullet for Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells coached him as hard as any player he ever had. And Lawrence Taylor, one of the baddest players of all time to this day, says, that's my guy. Like, no matter what, that's my guy. Bill Bill Belichick is my guy, or Bill Parcells is my guy, and he always will be. So I, I just think there's something to it. It's like the Jimbo Fisher stuff where he's grabbing the player's face mask and everybody's freaking out, calling it abuse. and calling, No, man, like, that's football. Like, sometimes you get coached really hard. But I, any lesson well, that I that's,
5: – that, that's a whole other subject anyway, too. It, right. You know, I, like, people feel like that in itself is demeaning, and it's not. It really isn't. It's like it's probably the less or the least um you know, physical thing you could do to a player if you're if you're actually trying to be, you know, rude or prove a point, right? You could hit him in the helmet. You could do a lot of things. but, you know it, it, that that was blown way out of proportion this past weekend.
4: Yeah, but I, and I know that. Look, you're you're into the hot take stuff. I wasn't into it. I was not willing to overreact. You to you it. jumped right on that bandwagon. Uh, listen, no. I, first of all, I defended the football culture. Is what I did because everybody wants to turn this into it's abuse. You can't grab a player like that, man. You know, some of the crap that happens in football locker rooms, uh, the the towel trick, except sometimes there's an object, a sharp object in the towel when they snap you on the back of the legs or the keys to the back of the helmet or a coach yells at you. I had a coach tell me one time in high school because uh, I caught a um, a comeback route. Where like a a, you know run six yards, come back to five. That's where you meet the football. Uh, That's a hitch, but yeah, whatever. Comeback hitch. Who cares? Uh, It's definitely not a comeback. no one calls
5: a six-yard hitch route a comeback.
4: Yeah, tomato potato. But uh, I ran this hitch route six, come back to five, and I turned in. And the coach said to me, uh, "You like your teeth?" And at the time, my teeth were disgusting. I said, "Honestly, I don't." He goes, "Okay, keep turning inside when you do that." Then. <laughs> he's all cuz you're going to turn inside and there's going to be a linebacker who's going to be he's going to be at shallow depth and he's going to wear you out on that play every single time. So yeah. keep doing that if that's what you want. Like that's that's a coach telling you you're going to meet a violent end if you continue to do what you do. But you don't cry about. It. Like it just I think like the coaches that coach hard and you can say that it's old school and you and sometimes they go over the top. I I just feel like this whole players-coach thing and rah-rah, that's, that's neat and all to a certain extent. But, man, Belichick, uh, uh, Nick Saban, some of the coaches that, that, have, that have coached players as hard as they possibly can have seen the best success, and I just think there's something to it. I really do.
5: The only thing that would um, re- refute kind of what you're saying is, like, look at Sean McVay. That, oh, guy is, that guy is probably more of like an optimistic kind of cheerleader for his players compared to Bill Belichick. And I'm not saying it doesn't work, but until he wins a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls, I, I don't know that you're going to say that's the greatest form of of coaching. Like, I do think it's one way of doing it. There's two ways of motivating people. You can incentivize people, right? And you can try to pump them up, or you can motivate them through fear. And I, I think New England tends to be more on the side of, you know, motivating, motivating them through fear. Now, I guess you can look at their contracts like Gronk and – uh, even though he's injured now, um, as well as Tom Brady, both have incentives in their contract depending on how well they play. But for the most part, like everyone there talks about being scared about losing their job, and that's really what motivates them to to want to play better because they know that that team as, well, as much as anyone, especially the wide receiver position this year, has had so much turnover.
4: Um, what's the meanest thing a coach ever said to you that you can keep clean on the air?
5: Um, I, oh gosh, I, I wouldn't even consider anything mean that a coach has ever said to me that that I could say on the air, you know what I'm saying? Like I, <laughs> there's things I couldn't, you can't say on the air that coaches have said to me and, and they might sound mean to others, but I was kind of like, all right, whatever, <laughs> yeah, you I know what I'm saying? But I never took offense to it. I, I don't know why people do. Like, I always felt like if a coach is coaching you hard and if he's upset with you, it's because he cares. Like, he cares to actually say that. I would watch him not coach other people, and it's because he didn't care about them. You know, like, they, they yeah. didn't want to waste his time. And I think people who have a hard time recognizing the difference between the two um, usually don't understand it, and they'll never get it anyway. Like, people who aren't around the football culture, they'll never understand hard coaching. They'll never understand a locker room environment. They'll always look at it as, um, you know, bad or it needs to be more politically correct, whatever the case may be. But they just don't understand it because they've never been a part of it. And that's. That's unfortunately how this world works now is everyone gets an eye in on everything and they get to kind of see the behind the scenes and then they get upset when they don't like what they
4: see. Uh, our, yeah, my coach said something similar. He said, if we're coaching you really hard guys, it's because we think that you should be better than you're performing. Otherwise we wouldn't be coaching you that hard. Uh, side note, I never heard from him again that season. So that that told me what he thought of me. Uh, I was not uh, not worth his time. So, well, because you kept that.
5: calling a hitch route a comeback. So that, that probably has something to do with it.
4: Well, that. look, what do you do on a hitch, Brady? You come back to the ball, don't you? Uh, yeah, but usually the ball should be
5: on its way before you really get to the top yeah, of your Yeah, you round, see my so.
4: quarterback? I did. Okay, touch I thought and, it was Dave Anderson. Yeah, yeah, no, it was not. Touch and go on on some of the short passes there. Uh Was it know, not Gascon? Wasn't he a No, it, absolutely not. It was not it was not David Gascon. Uh, he uh. was actually suspended for the final season because and I don't want to talk about this on the air because he's a, a fellow co-worker, but um steroids. Um and it, wow. you know, yeah, so a lot of PED use and uh, and unfortunately he could not be there for the entire season. But but I digress.
5: You know, they call it male enhancement is what they call steroids. <laughs> is that what it's they
4: call it? It's a form that? of it, right? Yeah. form of it, yeah. Okay. Um. All right. uh, not really sure where that went, but uh, that is this show in a nutshell. All right. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming up next here. The, uh, so this is the biggest bleep you from a Super Bowl champion you will ever hear or see or talk about, or discuss, and he's potentially a Hall of Famer. Find out who we're talking about next year on Fox Sports Radio. The hell is this? Uh, That guy's Brady Quinn. I'm Jonas Knox. This is Fox Sports Radio. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, the biggest bleep you from a Super Bowl champion to his organization that you will ever hear about. We've got it for you here a couple of minutes from now here on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, uh, the Steelers looking to close the gap down 14 to 3, under eight and a half minutes to go in the first half. And the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to get back into this thing. Yeah, interesting. Um, Brady Quinn there, or is he, uh, <laughs> is he not? Oh, boy. This is a. I'm here. This is a doozy. i We're good. We're good. All right. This <laughs> this We're good. It's a doozy. Oh, man. Um, all right. So. Uh, let's talk about a guy that was your teammate for a short time, Earl Thomas, yeah. who suffered a fractured leg, according to Pete Carroll, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, on Sunday, uh, Seattle beating Arizona. Um, and Earl Thomas, and it was sort of a, I, I saw him go down, and then I saw them take him off in the cart, and they put a straight cast on him. I think, was that an air cast? It looked, it looked like, I don't know if it was an air cast. If it was, it wasn't blown up.
5: Right. Um, (laughs) I think what it was is to help put his ankle back in alignment because it looked like that was what broke or at least his shin, maybe like a tibia fracture or something like that.
4: But it didn't like nobody landed on him. It's like he stepped wrong and then he jumped over um, a guy making a a catch in the end zone. And I
5: I think the odd thing is, is this has maybe happened to him before. Like this might be a repeat injury.
4: So, yeah, so he went down and and players went over and they were trying to console him um, and and talking to him. Uh, Patrick Peterson was over there, members of the Arizona Cardinals, a pretty respected guy in the league. And so they put him on the golf cart, and as they're wheeling him off, he starts flipping somebody off. He's giving somebody (laughs) the bird. And I was confused because he did it with his right hand, and I'll do a little radio play-by-play. They're driving the card off. Um, so imagine his right hand is the left side of your speaker, the left side of your phone, your listening device, and his right hand went that way. But the problem is the Arizona Cardinal sideline was right next to him on the other side. So he wasn't flipping off an Arizona Cardinal, which can only mean one thing, Brady. Was he flipping off his own team? <laughs> is that what happened? I
5: uh, I don't know if it was his own team or maybe just one individual, but um, he was definitely <laughs> flipping off someone over on the Seattle Seahawks sideline.
4: Let's just leave it at that. All right, so I'm going to give you a uh, a list of options here. Do we have any yes. sort of? It's just game, game show music, music here. Yeah, all right, uh, we call this the Earl Thomas Middle Finger Game Show. All right, the Earl Thomas. Middle Finger Game Show here on Fox Sports Radio. We do this from time to time here on FSR. We make it a point to have some fun here on the program. So here's what we are going to do. We are going to play a fun little game show, and the game is pretty easy. Uh, For you listening at home, you can play alone in your car. Uh, You can play alone uh, with your friends. You can play on your front porch, wherever you're listening to it right now unfortunately you can't play the game on the air only brady quinn can and i don't think you want to be around him tonight anyways he is in a bleep mood so a bit, a bit salty yes Just a bit uh definitely all right so here we go this is the earl thomas middle finger game show here on fox sports radio so brady quinn i will pose the question i will give you the options here on fox sports radio so here we <laughs> I go can't wait let's right. do it who of the following was earl thomas flipping off here are your options Russell Wilson, mm. General Manager John Schneider. I'm sorry. How do you pronounce that again? Uh, Schneider. Are you saying Schneider or uh, Schneider?
5: However you said it the first time.
4: Don't kill the game. General <laughs> Manager John Schneider is option two. Option. What like you're saying it weird. Option three. Head Coach Pete Carroll. Mm. Option four. Brian Bosworth. <laughs> What? What? Option five, Percy Harvin. All right, those are your options, Brady Quinn. You can only pick one of those. I have included Seahawk legends in this bunch and also Seahawk players who may have punched teammates the night before a Super Bowl. So here we go, Brady Quinn. Those are your options. Who was Earl Thomas flipping off? Again, we've got Russell Wilson, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, Brian Bosworth, and Percy Harvin. What say you, Brady Quinn? I'm going to use, you know, process of elimination,
5: okay? okay so I'm going to say not Brian Bosworth. Okay, let's keep, the game, so, let's
4: keep the game show music going again. Let, let's keep yeah. this going. This, keep this is going. fun. I feel like I'm in, uh, in in Louisiana, and somebody's throwing beads on me, except my shirt's still on. You <laughs> know what I mean? The, the, oh, it, it's the other thing that's <laughs> off. Um, hey, sir, why do you have three thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> so really,
5: uh, <laughs> process of elimination, really? all right? Brian Bosworth <laughs> probably was on their sideline <laughs> in Arizona, uh, so he's out. Percy Harvin. I don't think uh, he's played in in a few years, maybe like three or four years. (laughs) So Percy Harvin's out, unless he was in the stands somewhere. Uh, Russell Wilson. I don't know that Russell and Earl had any beef, um, and I don't know that they had any sort of contract dispute. So I'm going to go ahead and cross out Russell Wilson. That leaves John Schneider and Pete Carroll. So, well, if I had to guess, I'd say John Schneider... I don't know if be, you'd be you'd able to see him on the sideline. Maybe he'd be on the sideline. Maybe he'd be up in the box somewhere. So I'm going to cross off John Schneider. That only leaves Pete Carroll. Oh. So I'm going to go ahead and select Pete Carroll because ultimately it's Pete Carroll's team. He's the head coach. He has the ultimate say. I think maybe it was Pete Carroll that, uh, that Earl Thomas was flicking off.
4: All right. There it is. All right. Book it, by the way. Book it. Brady Quinn says Earl Thomas was flipping off, or as Brady says, flicking off. Come on, man. Grow up, it's flipping off, all right, with a P, all right, flipping off head coach Pete Carroll. That was a fun one, man. Is that as fun as the uh, uh favorite Bills moments of the last 10 months?
5: <laughs> no, that, that that might be number <laughs> okay, one. Yeah,
4: yeah, what uh, uh, that
5: was fun though. Yeah, that was a good time. And um,
4: it,
5: you have to go a little bit deeper, by the way, into the whole like Earl Thomas Pete Carroll thing because if you're the team, like this sounds so cold blooded. But if you're a fan, if you're the team, you know what you're basically saying? See? That's why we didn't want to sign him to a long-term yeah. deal. I mean, honestly, that's some people will say that. And that's uh, that's probably what the team's thinking when that injury occurs, right? And there's probably some people who would say, well, he wasn't even practicing during the week, dude. Like, You didn't prepare his body for it. Maybe that was part of it, too. I don't think that, anything, that had anything to do with it, uh, but it's it's incredibly unfortunate. And that's why I feel like at least see the players' side of it. These sorts of things happen, even though it was a freak accident. It's why players hold out because of these sorts of issues.
4: And, and I also think that when he was mouthing things to the Arizona Cardinals sideline, I, 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 I would venture to guess Earl Thomas being a vocal guy that he is was probably saying, see, guys? hold out if you can, hold out if you can, save yourselves, get your money, get paid because the fact that this is how it's going to end up for Earl Thomas and and the likelihood of him coming back to Seattle probably wasn't happening. I feel like we're the jinx because I threw it out to you that the Falcons defense is awful. They've lost uh, a number of starters. Uh, They can't stop anybody. And I thought, well, you know, Dan Quinn, former D coordinator in Seattle. I mean, I wonder if they make a call about Earl Thomas. And you said, that's a rental player. Maybe 45 seconds later, his leg broke. Yeah. So I feel like we were responsible for
5: it. I mean, I would blame you personally. If I saw Earl, I'd probably tell him and say, hey, man, um, there's this guy, Jonas Knox. Thank Here's you. his address. Here's his cell phone number. I'd give him a call and punch him in the face when you see him. Yeah, you're a good Because right? uh, he kind of jinxed you.
4: Yeah, good person. Brady Quinn, good person. By the way, being uh, let's, let's peel back the curtain here. Yeah. Brady and I have done hundreds of shows together at this point. A lot, right? Um, well,
5: I don't know that we could say hundreds. I mean, there's what, 52 weeks in a year. We usually work like once a week
4: together. It it, it sounds better. Okay. Just go with it. Roundup. He has never been more unenjoyable to talk to during breaks than on (laughs) this show. He is a miserable human being. I'm sick right now. uh, Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, have some fun. You want, you want to start spewing out some crank jokes? Get back into the swing of things? <laughs> well,
5: that always does. All right. That always makes sense. All right. Fun. There we go. That's yeah.
4: that's his ticklish spot. You start going the crank joke route, you'll <laughs> forget all about the sniffles. Uh, all right. Uh, Brady Quinn Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to let you know we are brought to you by Lowe's. I'm sure Lowe's is thrilled to sponsor this segment. Uh, pros in the know start with Lowe's and save 5% on eligible purchases every day made with a Lowe's business credit account. That's savings in-store and online, subject to credit approval, cannot be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. See store for details, U.S. only. Up next here on Fox Sports Radio, did a head coach just get himself fired? Did a head coach just get himself fired with the decision he made on Sunday? Brady and I will tell you who it is and how that may go down next year on FSR. But for all the latest from around the world of sports, ladies and gentlemen, David
0: the Gasman. The Gasman David Gascon. Do You think Brady is more triggered this weekend or last week when he talked about an alternative on an ulterior to how to sack a quarterback?
4: Uh, well, that was a, a more friendly discussion. This is just a violent, violent topic. Uh, Bra- like, like dealing with Brady tonight is is really treacherous. Waters. I feel
0: bad for you. I really do. Now, it's, it's tough, I, especially when you have to carry him a long time throughout this show. It's yeah. it's
4: unfortunate. It's like it's like trying to um, it's like trying to to shave your lower region while you're out on the dock on one of those deadliest catch boats. You're just waiting for something bad to happen. You <laughs> know what I mean? You're just you're just waiting for something to go wrong. <sighs> That's, that's
0: amazing. <laughs> Guys, uh, Sunday night football. Baltimore's leading Pittsburgh right now 14-6. Joe Flacco's been good so far. He's 11 of 13, 166 <laughs> yards passing in two TDs. Ball game right now sits in the second quarter, about five minutes to play in the opening half. Earlier today, Seahawks beat the Cardinals in the desert 20-17. to Mike Davis had 21 carries for 101 yards and two TDs. They also, Seattle did lose Earl Thomas. He has a fractured left leg. He'll be out for quite a while. Chargers came from behind to beat the 49ers, 29-27. Melvin Gordon, 159 total yards and a TD. Raiders come from behind. They were down by eight with less than a minute to play. They forced overtime and then won it with a field goal, 45-42. Derek Carr had four touchdown passes and 437 yards passing. Saints over the Giants, 33-18. Alvin Kamara, 181 yards and three TDs. Will Lutz had also four field goals in that victory. Bengals, they come from five down the closing minutes to shock the Falcons. Hawkins, 37-36. And Jonas, you might be talking about one coach in particular in the AFC, AFC South. Give you a heads up. Texans come from behind in overtime. They beat the Colts 37-34. Uh, it's a sad moment as Captain Andrew Luck also tweeted out earlier today, a sad note to his mother with his troops. in to bounce back. They are now 1-3 and three this season. Houston gets their first win in 2018.
4: Dave. What? I'm not. Uh, listen, uh, that's a great
0: parody
5: account. It,
4: it, it is like Captain Andrew it's, Luck. It is. It, it is a good one. Do we
5: have Andrew Luck? Don't we have some sound on Andrew Luck uh, and yes. some
0: of his post game comments? Again, we're not going to play for a tie. And I think everybody in. Okay, Dave. Jokes
4: over. Can, we said Andrew that. Luck, not now Andre the Giant. Can I we get Andrew that. Luck, please? You- I don't. I don't need to hear Andre the Giant from WrestleMania Four. Can we get Andrew <laughs> Luck, please? <laughs> I, he's such an. He, have you talked to Andrew Luck before, Brady?
5: Um. Yeah, I mean, briefly, but yeah. Nice guy? He, he, yeah, he's a really nice guy, and he doesn't sound as much like Andre the Giant um, in person as he does over, like, TV or the radio.
4: By the way, did you know that his nickname growing up was Andrew the Giant? But it's not because of his voice. Was well, it's because of... We're coming to you live here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800 947 Auto. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. All right, let's talk. Let's talk, uh, Andrew, you animal. Let's talk, uh, let's talk Dirt Cutter, if you will. Dirt Cutter made a decision at halftime of, uh, the biggest wipeout, one of the biggest wipeouts of the NFL season that nobody saw happening, uh, the Chicago Bears lighting up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Tampa Bay was down 35 at the half, and Dirk Cutter decided at that point, even though it wasn't Ryan Fitzpatrick's fault, that they were down the way they were. They couldn't muster anything on offense. He didn't have a whole lot of time. Um Defensively, they couldn't stop anybody. The secondary was atrocious, and so Dirk Cutter decided it was time to put in Jameis Winston, who's back from the suspension. So Jameis Winston came in the second half, clearly rusty, turned the ball over. Um, you know, did have a touchdown pass, but you know the game was over. A, a complete wipeout. Here was Dirk Cutter explaining his decision after the game.
6: Towards the end of the half, I told the coaches that uh, we were going to switch to switch to Jameis. Uh, I talked to Jameis and Fitz both uh, in the locker room at halftime you know, a chance to get Jameis some some real football. And we put Jameis in a terrible situation today. And I told him that. I told him that right off the bat at halftime, that we we're putting him in a bad situation. And, uh, I mean, I knew Jameis would go in and give us everything he had, and, and he did. Um, if, if
4: that's the case, why did you put him in that situation? <laughs> I don't
6: understand. Like,
4: I don't understand. It's like somebody telling you, hey, man, so I'm going to have you drive 100 miles an hour. And, and you're going to wear a blindfold. I, listen, I know what I'm doing to you is not a good idea, but uh, I'm just letting you know it's happening. Like, <laughs> what's what's going on here? Like, why would, he, why would he put him in that spot?
5: I have no idea why you would openly say that essentially you're putting your quarterback in a bad spot, and you go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because there was going to be a slim chance that they were going to be able to come back in that game. Uh, given how things had gone for Tampa Bay, and and, and more just because their defense is so banged up, I don't think they would have, would have been able to stop Chicago. So they're not coming back. There's no reason to subject them to that. Um, I, I don't also know if it makes sense to even make the switch, especially if you're dirt cutter. Because if this is where your season's headed, with their two and two right now, so if you're two and two headed in the bye, and all of a sudden Jameis is your guy coming out of it you don't really have any other get-out-of-jail-free cards. This is it. Like You've already made the quarterbacks change, a quarterback switch. Like Maybe that buys you a few games. Maybe that gets you through a little bit if you would have kept Fitz for the rest of this game and and then maybe start him for another game depending on how he plays. Because I don't chalk this game up to Ryan Fitzpatrick played bad. Hell no. I I chalk this up to their defense was god-awful. They couldn't even protect him. And after about the first quarter into the second quarter, the game was over. There was no way they were going to be able to match what Chicago was doing to their defense, given how bad they played. And I'll add this. It wasn't like guys were just getting beat. It was guys didn't know their assignments. I mean, there was some guys running wide open. And, and a lot of that, to me, had to do more with maybe the lack of experience and lack of, of preparation for some of those players, Uh, Who are playing for for other guys who are injured. But at the end of the day, man, that comes down to coaching. And, you know, it it matters how you lose. It sounds bad to say, but it matters how you lose when you're on a bad football team. Because if you're competitive, people tend to give you the benefit of the doubt, but they sure as heck don't when you get blown out like today.
4: Well, it's the how and the when. You know, how do you lose and when did you lose? Because if you lose in a primetime game and it looks really, really bad, you're going to get fired, i.e., uh, Zampese the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, two weeks in, because uh, it was a Thursday night game a year ago, and that's why he got clipped. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I, I always I wondered this about the situation, because, and we talked about it on the show, that Dirt Cutter's in a spot to where he's got to win games. It's year three. You haven't gone to the playoffs. I think some people maybe were a little surprised that he was brought back and retained for the third year, so he's got to win games, and it just, and I'm not in the locker room. You would know better than me, but it just feels like players there, Mike Evans, uh, Deshaun Jackson, responded better to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I don't know if it's just that maybe they like him more, or he's more enjoyable to play with. But it seemed like they responded more. And and if I'm Dirk Cutter to ignore that and still put Jameis Winston in that spot, do you think this was maybe a, a message sent from ownership who said if things get out of hand? Um, Jameis is our future. Don't you forget that? And no matter what, he's gonna he's gonna get some playing time. What's he gonna prove, though? I I, I don't I mean, know. Well, I'm, well, I'm confused what, by what, it. If
5: your ownership and you are, are micromanaging that much, then first off, it doesn't matter if it's Dirt Cutter or any other head coach. Your organization is never going to be successful. You know, when you start dabbling into making those sorts of decisions, that's that's when you know you've got bad ownership. So that that's that's the start. The second part of that is, I, I don't know what you're expecting him to do given the deficit and given how out of hand that game was. There's there's really nothing that could have came from that. They're lucky Jameis Winston didn't get, in, didn't get injured if he is truly the future of their, their organization being in that game. So to me that'd be a mistake if that was the viewpoint someone had within
4: the organization. Yeah, it's uh just very 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 strange handling by Dirk Cutter and now we see how it plays out uh, moving forward. All right, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here Fox Sports Radio as we come to you live here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Um it's been really nice weather out here in Southern California. And um it got dark all of a sudden. And not like because the sun's going down, just because like the clouds started to form over right. the over the building here at FSR. And I'm assuming, almost like
5: there's a guest?
4: Yeah, almost like uh, one live bet Jesus is about to make his triumphant return. And I say triumphant because he can only do better than what he's done the last couple of weeks because he's been atrocious. I mean, absolutely awful. So, live bet Jesus, who we've never met before and started appearing on the show, will be here to try and make you money. Don't go anywhere. That's coming up next year on FSR. Just ride live bet Jesus. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer tool. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we are supposedly going to hear from Live Bet Jesus here coming up momentarily on FSR. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have tied the game. They were down 14 nothing early. They have tied the game at 14 on Sunday Night Football i don't and, and this is sort of a bad question brady quinn but every time i see this guy it doesn't matter if he's double covered triple covered uh who's on him antonio brown just makes plays is where would you stack yeah. him up amongst the greatest wide receivers you've ever seen
5: uh, of ever i mean uh, gosh it's it's kind of tough to throw him up there right now amongst all those guys um
4: or small how about this smaller I think, wide receiver
5: yeah I, th- I think what it's all said and done he's he's right there um there's still a lot of a lot left to be done for him, but his ability to get open, his playmaking ability, and the, the clutch, all that—I mean, all those things—are are, are, you know kind of what make him so special. I think the, the question is, as far as like all-time greats, the hardest is, you know, arguably the greatest player of all time is Jerry Rice, right, of any position. Like he was that dominant at his position, okay, and part of it was longevity. Not only was he great when in his prime. But it was also the longevity. Like I don't know how many guys are going to be able to, you know, keep up with the pace like Antonio Brown for as long as Jerry Rice did during his career. So that that, I think that's the tough part. But yeah, I mean, in this game, he's definitely, arguably, the the best wide receiver, if not, you know, top two, top three, depending on who you're looking at.
4: It's unbelievable, man. Like he just, and I don't, and sometimes I don't know if it's that Roethlisberger maybe puts. Put, throws the best football and, and I don't know you would know better than me but it just seems like the guy makes plays although you could, I will say this when Roethlisberger is out and Roethlisberger dealt with injuries in the past he's not nearly as effective so yeah. maybe, maybe there is something to it but they've had a lot of and, and what do you make of Pittsburgh always seeming to draft wide receivers really well whether it's yeah, I, Mike Wallace or Juju Smith-Schuster. or They always seem to find a guy. Martavis Bryant was pretty productive uh, when he was sober. Like They always seem like they can find a guy even later in the draft that other teams just can't.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, look, Juju Smith-Schuster was second round. James Washington, I think, was a third round. I mean, if anyone watched those guys in college, it wasn't that tough of a decision, to be honest with you. Um, both of them were really good. Antonio Brown was great in college. He just didn't come from – as as big of a school, so I think there are some question marks there. But uh, yeah, I mean they've hit on a lot of guys, and I think the one common denominator with all of them, for the most part, is big playmaking building in college, and then you end up seeing it at the NFL level too, uh, and then some of its speed as well. I mean, think of Mike Wallace, think of Antonio Brown, obviously, um, you know Darius Hayward Bay's there now. I mean they found him via free agency, and he's actually fit in. Oh, okay, so I think overall they've got a, a, they do a good job of, of scouting out what fits what they want on offense and really on defense too, in my opinion.
4: Um Live Bet Jesus has sent out a tweet. Um I don't know if you know I'm not no, know I'm not gonna is, look at it. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know,
5: look at it or try to um you know retweet it or favorite it or anything no, like don't, that. I don't want you to he lost last week.
4: Okay. Well I just want you to but I this is the first time we've actually seen a weekend Live Bet Jesus. Do you want me to read the tweet to you? Uh, sure. I, okay, so yeah, he sent the yeah. following at Live Bet Jesus on Twitter. He sent the following Good evening, my children. I have failed you recently. I have failed myself recently. But failure is nothing more than an opportunity for the dead to rise in my world, and I do it now on Fox Sports Radio. I mean, like, there's accountability there. Like, that's that's accountability for costing people potentially money by making picks that didn't come through. I, you got to respect that, don't you? No, I,
5: I actually really do. If there's one time right now that I think I'm going to kind of get on my soapbox and say, "This is the night. This is the time." <laughs> You should be all in on live bed Jesus. It's tonight. (laughs) This is the one. Because I think, yeah, because I I think he's he's proven to me now in making a public display of accountability that he can handle the pressure. And I think he understands what's at stake now. Before, I feel like he was just playing with, you know, other people's money, acting frivolous, not really being conscious, right, of, of some of the decisions that he was making. Now, though, it sounds like he's matured, he's grown. Um, you know, maybe at this point, he, he feels like he's seen the light. Yeah. If no, you know what I mean.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, we always see the light. For people that are wondering who we're talking about, Live Bet Jesus appeared on our show a couple of years ago. The lights went black in the studio. A, sh- a beaming light shined down into the studio. Not making this up. And a piece of paper fell out of the sky and it had a betting line on it and it said Live Bet Jesus on the bottom. And he just kept showing up afterwards. He's now embraced social media. He's got a Twitter account, at Live Jesus. And it's really been just a, a fun addition to the show. And it's been a roller coaster because he has struggled in recent weeks. So very, very interesting stuff. So he just shows up. We never know when he's going to show up. He just pops in. Doesn't matter what's happening. He'll just show up whenever he feels Nobody like f- There he game. is. Look at that, Brady. Look at that. I thought, Let's go! LBJ. Oh my God! Here we go! Let's so, go. so again, yeah. lights are completely out in the studio. Uh, all the TVs have gone pitch black, and it doesn't matter if they didn't; they are so small, we can't see what's on the TV, anyways. Here at Fox Sports Radio, so the lights are completely out. A beaming light shining into the studio, and a piece of paper is rapidly falling down onto the desk. And I believe it's rapidly falling down onto the desk because we are almost out of time in the hour. So here we go. As it falls down, I'm so you know this is not a radio gag. I will open. The this up on the air it's really long this week that's what she said (laughs) she's a big one the paper too it is tonight on the 30th of september 2018 that i live bet jesus proclaimed the pick to be Steelers minus two and a half how about that brady going with the black and gold Well, I never rooted for him when I was young, but I guess I'm going to have to tonight for LBJ. (laughs) You're a good person. He's back, everybody. Brady's back. You know, there's a lot of surprises every weekend in the football world, whether it's college, whether it's the NFL. I think the most surprising thing was nearly historic. Nobody saw it happening. We will tell you why it happened and how it happened and why it's never going to happen again. That'll be coming up here in just a couple of minutes here on Fox Sports Radio. That guy over there is Brady Quinn. I am Jonas Knox. As always, we do this live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Brady Quinn, who uh, is just a battler, man. He's just going to figure it out. He's just going to find a way. Not feeling 100%, but you know what? He clocked in. He brought his hard hat. He brought his lunch pail, and he's here. And here we are, Brady Quinn, hour three.
5: And you know why? Because I feel like we've kind of got a faithful audience, and uh, I didn't, I don't want to let them down. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not that you can't do the show on your own. You do that on the weekends anyway. You know, you're you're used to doing it. But but for me, it's like this is fun, man. I yeah. I always enjoy it, have a good time with the guys, Eric and Bobo and the Gas Man. So uh, I didn't want to let anyone down. That that's what it was more about. It wasn't so much that I'm feeling good or that this is going to be a good show because it's not. This is not my best show. It may be one of my worst ever, but I'm here. Okay.
4: Yeah. Uh, I I was, and I've told I've told people this, and this is uh, being God's honest truth. Look, we we're a bunch of slappies on the air. If you don't know what a slappy is, look it up. We are we are a bunch of slappies on the air. A lot of grab ass on this show, but in all honesty, this nothing about this show is work. Like like hosting, you know, like prepping for to call a college football game. How much t- how much time do you put into that? Like, when does oh. the week start? And, and that's not including travel and interviews. When do you start looking at, at film, gathering information on these players?
5: Today. I mean, it starts the day after. I had sent... You, know, you, you send national storylines, things you're looking at that don't even have to do with your game. You're looking up stats, looking at trends, looking at things you can start sending to your crew so they can start building the graphics for you that you see on a broadcast. And I already watched... Um, Ohio State Tulane on each side of the football. So that, amongst all the other NFL games, uh, I've got to digest and watch. So it, it it's a grind, man. I mean, and I, I don't think people realize uh, how much work goes in it. If you do it right, I think there's some some people who do it. They probably slack off a little bit, but <laughs> that that gets discovered. <laughs> that gets discovered after a yeah. while, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I, I take it seriously, and I, I love what I do, too. It's always fun – you know, watching players and, and then, you know, watching scheme and finding little wrinkles, things are people are doing. Watch some Dwayne Haskins today. I, I think there's a chance you and I will be talking about him uh, in the spring when it comes time for the draft because I think he's he'll be draft eligible and after only one year of starting, man, he looks that good. He really does.
4: Yeah, it's uh. It, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. But I, I always tell people because the prep is the hardest thing to do as far as, like, the overnight show because, look, there's not guests. You don't have. It's not one of these things where you're doing like you know one show's four hours. I'm I'm doing it solo, it, like it's a lot of prep. Like you gotta plan if nothing else goes on, if nothing breaks, which it usually doesn't. You know, put the time in, put the effort in, and it's a lot of fun. But it is a grind. This show's not a grind at all. This is no. pure fun. Um, this is the one where once I get past Friday and Saturday, I go, oh man, this is like a day off. It's a breeze. So, um, I'm I'm done. Uh, I'm done ball washing you this segment. But I just wanted to do I thought do we were ball washing each other. Yeah, we did. Is this a okay. group ball wash here? It kind of was. Although we didn't bring in Eric and
5: Bobo. That's yeah. mostly because they're just on Tinder the whole time. We,
4: yeah, you know what we I should do? We should do a remix at the ball wash. My hands we're on balls. You know what I mean? Like that old 70s song?
5: Um, uh, no. Okay. That, that's that's where I draw the line. All
4: right. Just a group ball
5: wash. It was here. cool I don't until that. you, I don't, you uh, said that.
6: Okay, I have to say something here that I've never thought I'd say. I have to what? defend Eric. That Eric is not on Tinder because Eric is engaged. Yeah. Is he? Yes. Uh, But you are not. Hey, trust me. I am not engaged. I've used that line before, too.
4: (laughs) Yeah, Bobo's not engaged. Yeah. Yeah, Bobo's not engaged. Bobo
5: will openly admit on national radio... He is not engaged. He's not doing his job. He is on Tinder. And here's the thing is, I love it. That's what makes this this show special. Because Bobo is able to kind of do both. Probably better at Tinder than his job, but that's okay. We
0: love him for it. That that hurt, Bernie.
4: By the way, if if people think we're joking about Bobo being on on Tinder or dating apps during the show, that's not a joke. Uh, You know what else isn't a joke? Bobo... At the start of the show, was eating a burrito the size of a minivan while we were on the air, and I still can't get over it. it threw me off. I, I was trying to focus on Raiders, Browns, OT, and I'm looking at Bobo, and it's like it's like he's got somebody's foot in his mouth. I'm like, what are you? What's happening here? Uh, what was that? Where was that from?
2: Chipotle? Uh, no, it's a little taco spot by my house, man.
4: Jesus, what do they wrap up a, it's, a it's dead not body? A little anything,
2: all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! I've been going um, there since I was a kid, dude. Yeah. I love their burritos. It's huge, <laughs> yeah. that's what she said. Burrito, we too. know you do. Yeah.
4: Um, all right, so so Brady, <laughs> let's get to uh, let's get to the Chicago Bears and the most surprising result of the day. Not that they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers; they were favored going into that game. Tampa Bay was banged up, but the fact that Mitchell Trubisky. Put on a show. Mitchell Trubisky, numbers on the day 19 of 26, 354 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. What the hell was that?
5: Yeah, I think it was a product of going up against a, a just injury ridden team, uh, especially this early in the season, which is, I guess it's good they've got an early buy. You know, maybe they can get to that buy and regroup and figure some things out. I think this is as much to do with Tampa Bay as it did with Mitchell Trubisky, his performance, and everything else. I mean, they were just outmatched, outgunned. And, you know, I'll give Matt Nagy some credit. But maybe also this is like a Chicago Bears team, like much like Dallas who won today at home versus Detroit uh, at the end of the game. Maybe they're kind of just a better team at home. I mean, when you're watching them out there, it seems like they almost have a little more energy, a little more juice. I don't know if you see the same thing. Yeah. I, just, I, I watch them on the road. I don't think he plays as well. And I don't think their defense plays quite as well as they do at home.
4: I, I also think that they're that players really, really like Matt Nagy. Um, just from everything you've seen. They've got disco balls in in the locker room after wins. Like he's just the complete opposite of John Fox. And I know John Fox was your coach for a short time, but Nagy just appears like he's just got a certain energy and a sort of uh, you know, let's-go-fire-guys-up sort of personality, and and he's doing a lot of weird things. He was pissed off at one point during the game. He had Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky in the backfield near the goal yeah, line. I saw that. Yeah, and Kyle Long jumped, and Nagy was pissed. I mean, i have never seen him that upset before, and I think he was pissed because he really wanted to run that play, <laughs> and he didn't get to run the play because he really wanted to get Chase Daniel out there, and so what did they do? Next time they were near the goal line, brought in Did Chase Daniel and put him in, and, and it turned into a, a jet sweep, and they gave it to, to Gabriel, who scored. But he seemed, like they seem to really like the guy. Like, he seems to be pretty fiery. Um, Schematic-wise, X's and O's, is he as good as advertised, or are we just seeing you know, uh, this was just sort of a fluke game where Tampa Bay got exposed?
0: Uh,
5: I'm not ready to say as good as advertised yet. I'm not really sure like what records they're breaking. It's not like he's like Sean McVay. Um, and I'd pump the brakes there. I think this had to, had to do more with just the matchup. Um, but I I do want to bring up this. You talked about the play with the two quarterbacks because I was looking at it and I was thinking, oh my gosh, that actually happened. So my uh, my wife, former uh, Olympic gymnast or or you know Olympic gymnast back in 2008, her coach is Romanian. Big football fan though. And so, whenever I'd kind of pick his brain, and talk to him just about sport training, you know how he goes about the mental psyche of his athletes, he would then kind of turn the conversation around and go, um, "You know your sport. Why don't they have two quarterbacks in at the same time?" And I kind of just laughed. I said, "Well, that's not really how it works. Um, you know, usually there's one guy who's better than the other, and if you have them both in at once, you know, you know only one's going to have the football. They kind of know that." And he's like, "No," but he's like, "Then you could spread the field and you could throw back and forth and all this stuff." And I, I would kept going. I kept thinking in my head like this guy probably doesn't watch that much football. Like he says he's a fan. I don't know how much of a fan he actually is. And then when I saw it today, I was like, oh no, this is the beginning of the end. This is like the beginning of, like this. This is basically going to turn into like teams wanting to use like two athletic guys to start throwing the football around now after the snap. Maybe it doesn't happen now, but I wouldn't be surprised if you have two guys, especially if you're like Baltimore, for example, tonight. If you don't see more plays with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson on the field at the same time, it just it makes too much sense. You're paying those guys, um, you know, more money anyway. And they're typically two of your better players on offense. And, and maybe this uh, maybe this uh, you know, Romanian guy was on to something way back when
4: um, I, I th- and I was it's funny you brought that up because I did want to mention this to you because I don't know. When's the last time we went a weekend in football, either college or pro without a team running the Philly special? is that is, honestly I think is, it's been like two weeks but yeah no no but trace mcsorley ran it a week ago trace mcsorley ran it a week ago in the penn state game i watched him well do,
5: it, it, yeah they, they ran it last week too anyway a professional team did he, he, he
4: put then and, and maybe it's a different variation but where the quarterback catches the ball is this now the new wildcat like they are going to to run this into the ground until because it seems like everybody's doing that same play. so so what is this uh it worked in the super bowl and everybody's going to take the play and roll with it is that how this works
5: it's just another way of getting a defense to respect the quarterback after the ball leaves his hand on a handoff or on you know whatever the case may be, right? Whether it's a direct snap to a running back, either way, that's the whole point is getting the defense to have to worry about other players and then especially you know spacing out the field. Like if all of a sudden that's meaningful when a quarterback boots or when a quarterback runs and makes it look like he's going out for a pass, you better send someone out there with him, right? Because if you don't, then that play, you know, takes its its effect, and all of a sudden, it's a big gain or it's a touchdown. So, it's more about that than anything else. And then eventually, you know, teams are prepared; they've seen it enough, and, and you don't see it as much anymore.
4: Uh, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio. We mentioned Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. Uh, here he was following the Bears' big win at Soldier Field to improve to three and one before their bye over the Buccaneers.
2: Mitch. Well, for for uh, you when you start out. You know, fast like he did uh and you just try to stack completions and you don't get hit uh the the offensive line did an amazing job in order to throw down field you got to be able to protect and the offensive line did such a great job of uh protecting him and so he made some some uh he made some special throws um which I thought was great and
4: i I heard uh trey Burton the uh tight end afterwards. Uh, who said, this is the worst possible time to go on a bye week. Do players really feel that way? If you if you get rolling and you finally get it together and it finally yeah. clicks?
5: Yeah. You want to keep that going. I mean, you're you're you know, a creature of habit. So when you've got that good feeling, when you've got that you know sense of, all right, this is my process, this, this is how I prepare, this is what I do during the week, this is what works for our team, and everyone's kind of all of a sudden operating on the same page, you keep that going. And all of a sudden you have to go into a bye where you naturally just can't. Because you don't have a game, you don't ramp back up to that intensity. It, it's tough. It's tough to have to go into an early bye like that. Um, Brady, Quinn, but, Jones. Uh, did did you see, by the way, did you see Mitch make a bunch of like really tight throws? Because I didn't. No, I, I, I feel like guys were running wide open. I don't feel like he made any
4: quote-unquote special throws. Yeah, and he also overthrew guys uh, a couple of times. But yeah. I did see a concerted effort to go to the left. What do you think that was? Um, uh, I, I think, and you know what, and this is not me ball-washing you again, and I don't like doing this because I can't stand you, but I I don't, it, uh, this is not me ball-washing you again. This whole, this whole thing going around Twitter and social media and people pointing out that Mitch Trubisky is not as effective to his left, I swear to Christ, the person who brought it up first on the radio was Brady Quinn. I had never heard anybody else say that. We were filling in on another show here at Fox Sports Radio when you brought it up. You were the first person to bring it up. And the fact that people are now running with that narrative and not getting you credit pisses me off.
5: Well, And another thing that I think they're trying to accomplish now is at this point in the season, you've got enough film and tendencies out there where now you're trying to kind of break some tendencies too. So if there was more of a concentrated effort to go to their left, either they saw something from a matchup standpoint or they wanted to showcase that they will go – to their left, more with some boots and, and some other plays uh, with the strength of the formation and all that. Like some of that's tendency breaking, too. It's not even so much about Mitchell Trubisky at this point.
4: Brady Quinn, Jonas Stocks here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming up next, uh, maybe the most, somebody. some people have called it the worst decision in the history of football. All right. Some people have said that. Find out who we're talking about next on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, yeah. Little corn. This takes Brady all the way back to junior, senior year maybe, Dublin Kaufman High School. That is true. At the squat racks. Oh, yeah. You got you got uh, six plates on each side, and you're ready to just rip through some squats. But you got to go deep. You got to go all the way down and feel the burn <laughs> all the way on your hamstrings. Oh, boy.
3: All
4: right. Uh, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. So uh, I do want to get to one of the I, – I don't know if it's the worst call of all time, but a very, very bad decision by a football coach. So we're going to get to that here coming up momentarily. Do you want to keep you posted on the Sunday night game? Steelers-Ravens tied at 14, seven and a half minutes to go. In the third quarter, Steelers were down by fourteen, uh, nothing early on. Uh, since then, couple of adjustments, Brady. You you called for the adjustments by the Steeler defense, and it appears that they've been listening to the show. So we welcome in the Steeler coaching staff who's been listening all show long.
5: <laughs> Good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Keith Butler, for uh, changing up some of your coverages. However, um, Ben Roethlisberger, he he's got to take advantage now because he just did airmail one on that last third down out of bounds. Nowhere in the vicinity of Antonio Brown. Uh, so offensively, now this is this is actually what you brought up and you pointed out.
4: Ooh, am of, I getting some credit here? Yeah, oh my the, god, the lack of complimentary.
5: Hold football, on, let me take like, my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now you've got your Pittsburgh Steeler defense settling in to so what Baltimore's trying to do, and so it's up to the offense. You got to do your part. Now you got to start to kind of build backs, you know, drive the football, take advantage of the good field position. They're not doing that right now.
4: Um, so we talked about Dirk Cutter earlier and uh, just the decision to put in Jameis Winston. He had some bizarre comments after the game saying, I told Jameis, uh, this is a bad situation for you, but we're still going to put you in. Very, very strange uh, decision making by Dirk Cutter. Uh, if you thought that was strange, let's listen to uh, Dirk Cutter. Uh, also, this was from postgame after their blowout loss to the Bears.
6: Based on that game today, we couldn't make enough changes. We should fire every person that was on that field today, starting with me. That was that was horrific. Can
4: you imagine? It's Monday morning. And ownership's like <laughs> you're right. You know what? You're fired. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that's a, that's a very good point, Coach. And uh, because 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 you asked for it, uh, we've already got the moving truck out in front of your office. Uh, take a walk. Um, yeah, he. Man, I, I don't know. I, I get I get, are
5: there are there odds right now as far as what his job security looks like the rest of the season?
4: I know as of about a week and a half ago, the favorite to get fired was Sean McDermott. Hmm. But I would I would imagine if the odds were updated, I would imagine that there are two coaches that are that are approaching Sean McDermott. Potentially three. <sighs> All right. The three coaches are Dirk Cutter, Bill O'Brien, and Todd Bowles. What say you?
5: I would say um, Dirt Cutter and Bill O'Brien you can make a much better case for because they've been at their organizations longer. This is only McDermott's second year. He did go to the playoffs last year. Whether that's an accident or not, it happened. So he's probably got a little more leeway. Um, I would think that the Dirt Cutter train and Bill O'Brien, if they don't make drastic changes, which, you know, good win today for Houston, Um, If they don't make drastic improvements, I should say, uh, moving forward, those are two jobs that will be open at the end of the
4: year. Conspiracy theory for you. Uh, The way that game ended, uh, Texans, Colts, uh, do you think that maybe (laughs) – Bill O'Brien tried to get fired? No, no, (laughs) either, either, either that or Frank Reich tried to save his job. Frank Reich said, like, "You know, I really love Bob. They call him Bill O'Brien. They call him Bob. I really love Coach Bob. I- I'd love to save his job. You know what? We're going for it on fourth down in our own territory in overtime. And I- and my my claim to fame is going to be we're going for it on fourth down every time. All right. So the next time it's fourth and ten, and you decide not to go for it, explain that one, Coach. I, I just it- none of that. The end of that game made any sense to me. I don't get it."
5: No, I don't think it made any sense to anyone. But that was not the only uh, kind of questionable call made this week. Look at it?
4: you, Mr. Segway. That is a good point, Brady Quinn. As we segue into what is going to be uh, the most talked about play from the weekend, it was the finish to Penn State, Ohio State, which, by the way, what a fantastic football game. Great game. That was Wish the, I could have watched. The wide game, yeah. <laughs> the whiteout um the uh the, the towels waving at Penn State it was phenomenal. Um it came down to a fourth and five. Trace McSorley was unbelievable the entire game and and they made a play call, uh would you call that an RPO, a run pass option, Brady Quinn? Uh no. I, because if it was a run pass option,
5: then I would have said Trace McSorley should just pulled it out and thrown it regardless.
4: And Trace McSorley instead handed it off, and there was a a tackle for loss, game over. And, of course, James Franklin afterwards was questioned about it, um, and he gave his reasoning for the call, but he did an interesting thing, Brady, because he started taking responsibility, and then slowly but surely he turned everything around on everybody else. Here was James Franklin postgame.
6: I'm upset with myself. Because I know those guys in that locker room are hurting our assistant coaches and our players. And, and we, should, we should have finished that game. And like I said, it, it's not about the 4th and 1. It's not about the 4th and 5, whether we punted it or not. Oh, it's not. It's getting everybody to commit to waking up every single day and trying to be the best you possibly can be. And we haven't done that. <laughs> oh, Todd, okay. We've gotten so, to a point where we are. Stop it there. More-
4: so so that's, that's the intro. Okay, James Franklin continued to get heated later on in the interview. Here's more from James Franklin. This is the second piece. This is the second piece. It's very interesting because he started out early on in the press conference taking responsibility. Tell me if you were a player or you were Trace McSorley and that was the play that was called for you at the finish of that game when you had the performance he did and you heard your head coach say this afterwards.
6: It's all the details. It's all the little things. It's finding a way to overcome adversity consistently. It's, like I said, it's going to class consistently. It's getting the meetings on time. It's having your phone turned off in the meetings. It's, it's, it's not settling for a B in a class when you could have got an A. It's taking notes in every single meeting. Every single meeting. Not because the coaches told you to do it because you want to be great. It's the coaches making sure that that's the standard. And we don't ask settle, we don't make excuses, we don't allow it to happen. There is a way to be unbelievably successful in life, in football, that's that's what we're going to do. And we have let little things slip by, that ain't happening. Because those little things that have slipped by, it's one point last year, it's one point this year. It's not happening anymore. It's not happening anymore. You guys thought I was a psychopath in the past? You have no idea.
5: Your
4: thoughts, Brady Quinn.
5: You know, it it initially took me back to a moment in my life, and I'll never forget it. And, look, I'm sure there's a lot of people, and and you've played high school football, right? So I'm sure you can recall some of the coaches that you had. And there's probably some good. There's probably some really bad. And this one takes me back to a bad football coach that we had on our staff. So uh, back in in Ohio, I played freshman ball. uh, and Then I eventually got moved up to varsity at the end of the year. But we're, we basically just lost on the road. It was the only loss that we had had that year. Um, and our coach was telling us that it was because of the way we lined up for pregame meal. <laughs> he, he was trying to say how he tried to tell us that we weren't being very disciplined. And, and, and you know, an example is the way we lined up at, at our pregame meal. Our offensive line coach our defensive coordinator lost it I mean they turned and literally walked away and in the background all you could hear is the other team chanting OCC OCC and basically what that meant was that was our conference and so now we can no longer win the conference outright the best we could do is win the next week and share so uh, we ended up going on and winning the following week, so we ended up getting a share of, of the championship. And then I went on, moved up on to varsity after that. But I never to the to the end of time. I will never forget the stupidity that he showed with that whole speech. And I remember thinking to myself, a lot of four letter words at the time as I kind of looked around. The, the second that came out of his mouth, that is what I'd connect this comment with. Like as much as I am a true believer in being the same person you are as a player, as a student, and everything else. That has nothing to do with the fact that you made a terrible decision on fourth down. Like, You can't tell me that it was a run-pass option because if it was, I have no idea why, why Trace McSoy would hand the football off. Because if, if I had that sort of game, and if I'm in his shoes at this point in his career, I'm pulling back and throwing it anyway. And if I'm not in that system, if he gave me a run play, I might go, just sit there and go, ah, I'm not calling that. I, let's, uh, let's run this play. And I'm throwing the football or I'm putting the ball in my hands. There is no way, no way that you do not put that ball in Trace McSoy's hands when the game's on the line in that situation. It was just one of the dumbest decisions I think has been made in college football uh, this year, and I don't know that anyone will make a worse decision uh, before the end of the year is done. It,
4: like I, I've, I was actually talking about this on my show last night, that like there's certain maybe narratives or reputations that y- coaches sometimes get that maybe they aren't totally fair, but regardless, they are what they are. Marty Schottenheimer was a head coach in the NFL for 21 seasons out of 21 seasons he only had two losing seasons you know what he's best remembered for not being able to get it done in the postseason Marty Ball Marty Ball Marty Ball doesn't get it done in the postseason terrible losses but that's sort of the narrative on him remember what we talked about coming into the year James Franklin was told it was by anonymous coaches one of the most overrated coaches in the country and we talked about it I think that game, because it was on a national stage and it was so glaringly a bad call by James Franklin and then the way he handled it afterwards, he got into it with a Penn State fan as he was walking off the field. The Penn State fan said literally this, I love you to death, coach, but you should have thrown it on fourth down. And James Franklin had to be restrained from going after the fan. This one, I think, is going to stay with him a while.
5: I mean, look, the the reputation that I hear... A lot about James Franklin is he's a good motivator, he's a good leader, he's a great recruiter. I don't hear that about him as a coach, though, not scheme. And he lost his offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, to Mississippi State. And I think that was a huge loss. Like I don't think there's any way they run that play if he's their their play call right now. And so, you know, and again, everyone's going to go through a, a transition and a rough period. And, and, look, they're a good football team. You know, They might be a one-loss team we started looking at and saying, yeah, they didn't win their conference, but you know, maybe we should think about putting them in the college football playoff. Maybe they are that good. But either way, he, he definitely cost them – uh, potentially an opportunity to get in the college football playoff.
4: Uh, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, we are going to play over-unders. Our chance to be degenerates on the air. Don't go anywhere. That's next here. For all the latest, though, from around the world of sports, it's the Rad.
6: David Gagan.
4: Hey, Dave. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, <laughs> Nothing, <Dave>? man. <laughs>
0: Just happy to be here, dude.
4: Yeah, you seem thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: if, if Brady can be here with a temperature of 108, I can be here as well.
4: It's almost like yeah. you're pissed at uh, Bobo for playing that drop.
0: No, I can't here. even see him above that table, so it's <laughs> oh, not on, mad at him, dude. I mean, come it's on. all good, man. It's all good. That it's, is it's the guy sitting on a booster Anyways, chance. guys, we got Sunday <laughs> night football and uh, had a lot of points in the first quarter. Baltimore led at one point, 14-0 in the first. Pittsburgh has come back.
6: Rolls a little bit, plants, waits, fires for the goal line. Touchdown, Antonio Brown. A beautiful catch and i tell you what, when Ben released it, you said, Antonio looks well guarded. Well, guess
3: what? He wasn't guarded well enough.
0: Steelers Radio Network, that made it 14-12. They also got the two-point conversion, so that's where we stand. 14-14 with 4.09 to play in the third quarter. Earlier today, Seahawks went in Arizona and beat the Cardinals 20-17, but they lost free safety Earl Thomas who flipped off his sideline as he was getting carted off the field.
6: <laughs> and here's his head coach, Pete Carroll. Somebody said something. I don't know anything about that. I don't know what Big stadium, you know, because I don't know where it was aimed at. Earl was uh, extraordinarily poised on the field for, for the, to what just occurred to, to be so clear and so, you know, resolved to, to, to what he, he knew what happened but he was so poised and you know and given back to the players and all of us and so I don't know what happened after that.
0: And talking about giving it back. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Raiders got their first one of the season coming from behind 45-42 is the final in overtime. Browns fought a 1-2 and 1 this season. They played three overtime games so far. Chargers were double-digit favorites, and they barely got by the 49ers today, 29-27. to 27. Saints 33, Giants 18, and some good news because I know Brady is interested in this. We will play 163 games in Major League Baseball. Tomorrow will be the Dodgers and the Rockies from Los Angeles. The winner of that ballgame will win the National League West national league central division has yet to be decided as well brewers won today beating the tigers and the cubbies also beat the cardinals so that means they will also play tomorrow from wrigley first pitch is at one o'clock eastern in anaheim mike socia has said goodbye he will not return for his 20th season with the angels he says goodbye after 19 years gentlemen floor is yours.
4: Thanks, Dave. Coming to you live here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. He is Brady Quinn. I am Jonas Knox. This is Fox Sports Radio. And now it's time for this.
1: Time to put your money where your
4: mouth is. I have been losing. You know you're a low-life gambling degenerate. It's over under. It is our chance to get degenerate. Uh, is that the right English there? Get degenerate? Uh, no. To be, be a degenerate? Yeah. I think it's
5: more of a state of being. Okay.
4: Uh, it is our so we'll delete that from the podcast. Uh, it is our chance to be degenerates here on Fox Sports Radio, where Brady Quinn and I will select over unders. They are made up by people, uh, by Eric Roberts and members of this show. We do not know what the over unders will be. So, Eric Roberts, how did we do first of all
2: last week? Well, you guys both went four and one last week, so it was a successful week for both of you, um, but you did tie.
5: Well, it wasn't successful for me because usually I beat Jonas's ass during this game, so that's the disappointing part. Mm. And it, will we have, like, one difference? I yeah, believe? you both
2: differed on two separate two ones. Yeah, it two, was yeah. Uh, the number of rookies to start this week uh, at QB and the number of tweets sent out by Le'Veon Bell during Monday Night Football last week.
5: Okay, so wait. What did we miss in regards to uh,
2: number of rookies? Um, Jonas took the under of, uh, what was it, three and a half, and you took the over. How many rookies started this week? Well, who did we have? We had uh, Josh, Allen, Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold Baker. Baker Mayfield.
4: The reason I took uh, – because remember that was the comment I made where I said, why do I have a feeling like Steve Wilkes is going to do something strange, and you told me that's because I get strange? Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah, that, yeah that's what that That happened. may have made social media. Yeah. I'm, 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 confused, I'm confused, though. So who were we missing then? Who did not start that was a rookie that we would have anticipated doing?
2: No, the uh, so he Jonas took the under, so yeah. he said that, so that. I lost. We didn't miss anything. Yeah, I oh, lost. Got you, got you, you won. Got you got you. Okay, yeah. okay.
5: The way the way you described that, Eric, I, I was more wondering which one I lost, not which one Jonas uh, lost.
2: Yeah, you you go. you're, you got the uh, the tweets wrong. You thought he was going to tweet something My during halftime. Football.
4: It, it's like like this is not like Brady is all over the entire staff here. This yeah. is this is besides
5: like, Bobo. Besides Bobo.
4: I mean, it's like getting. Uh, really? It's, it's like what? Go, going for a, a prostate exam, and Edward Scissorhands is your doctor. I mean, come on, Brady. Be nice to people.
5: I, I am. I'm just trying to get it straight. I'm asking why
2: you just, let's just move on. We
4: tied. All right. That's it. We yeah. tied you and I arm in arm Thelma and Louise. All right, here we go. We are back over under unders. What do we got?
2: We're going to start with uh Monday night football chiefs at Broncos. All right. So over under three and a half TDs thrown by Patrick Mahomes.
4: Can I make a, uh, a comment on the air here? Um, should we start saying touchdowns as opposed to TDs? Sorry, sorry. I, touchdowns, I, I know. I, I, got, I get like, you every
2: week. I feel
4: like it'll be the second time we've been dumped after Garyon Conley dropped the S-bomb uh, during our interview. Um, all right, I so, did notice that, by the way. <laughs> it's, why does that always happen on our show? <laughs> I don't know. Guys we, feel so comfortable they, talking about They us. do. It's, yeah.
2: it's
5: very strange.
2: Um, all right, so what is the... Uh, Over under three and a half, three guys, a half. for touchdowns thrown by Patrick Mahomes. I'm
5: going to say under. I think he does three. I don't think he gets to four.
4: I agree. I'll take the under. Okay. All
2: right, next one, guys. Sticking with uh, the Monday Night Football game, number of sacks by Von Miller over under one and a half.
5: Ooh, that's a tough one. Hmm. Damn, that is tough. Huh.
4: Damn, that's a. Just a tough
5: one. I'm trying to think. I mean, <laughs> you'd figure they they'd game plan for him. I mean, they they know he's there. They don't want to let him wreck the game.
4: <laughs> God, it's a tough one. i me three, kind of thinking about four, this. Uh...
5: Hey, five. Eric, give me the under. Uh,
4: yeah, I'll take the under. <laughs> give me a. I'll go with the under. <laughs>
2: all right, moving <laughs> on to the uh, moving on to the Thursday night <laughs> game, guys. Colts at Patriots. All right, so we're gonna set the number at two and a half for interceptions thrown by. Tom Brady and Andrew Luck combined.
4: Okay, over under two and a half interceptions on Thursday Night Football. Oof, Scott, that's a, again a, a tricky one. I gotta, I gotta do the the mental math here, Brady. You, under you take Eric, this. Um, <sighs>
5: Eric, uh, go ahead, put me down for the got- under. Gotcha, I gotcha. Okay,
3: God, I, man.
4: I got to go with the under. I just, I, I got to Where, where so, was the mental math? What, what, what were you adding just, up? Just like, look, look, my, look, my TI-83 in my mind is none of your business. All right, let me do the math here. I'm just trying to figure some things out. I'll take I the know under, this is, right? Bush <laughs> okay. this is Lake. This is just Lake. Go right. ahead.
2: The next one, guys. Total points in Falcons at Steelers next Sunday. Okay, over under 64 and a half. Oh,
4: Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 64 and a half points. <laughs> Man, the Falcons secondary is so bad. I mean, they're banged up, but man. Yeah. um, They've had some bad losses this year. <laughs> is that in Pittsburgh? Yeah, in Pittsburgh. Okay, that might change things. 64.5. Let me think about it because I'm, I'm like trying. Okay, what are they like on third down situations? What does the, the Falcons yeah. run this? They see, you know, uh, carry the two. Um, hey, Jonas, I'm going to let you pick first this time. I, uh, no, man. I don't know. I can't, you know, you take this one because I'm really, like, I've no, got to figure no, this out. Uh, I'm going to let you pick first this time. Uh, yeah, I'll go with the under. I guess I'll go with the under here. Uh, I'm going to go with the over. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> all right, final one, guys. Final one. All right. So we're going to talk about the AFC East here, all right? Number of wins for the AFC East next week, okay? Starts out Thursday, Colts at Pats. Sunday, two, uh, the Titans at the Bills. Dolphins at Cincinnati. And then the Broncos at the Jets. Two and a half wins over under for the AFC East. Wow.
4: Um, you said two and a half? I'll take yep. the under. I'm also going to take the under. Oh, That's Bush League. I see what you did there. <laughs> all right. So there it is. That was uh, this, week's edition. <laughs> this week's edition of over unders. Woo! Man, I wanted us to tie two weeks in a row. I really nope, wanted us to tie. No chance. It. Not going to uh, let it happen. All right. Uh, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox here, Fox Sports Radio from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming up next, uh, I think this is the dumbest thing done by a professional sports league in a long, long time. I'm going to get Brady's opinion on it. He's going to disagree with me because he's an awful human being. Uh, Find out what it is next here on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, a really dumb decision by a sports league. We'll tell you who they are and why that is. A minute from now, here on Fox Sports Radio, a reminder at the top of the hour, which is a radio term for 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Hawaii, and uh, who the hell knows in like Hong Kong and all that. But uh, Chris Plank and Arnie Spanier will take over here on FSR. Always a good listen. Uh, make sure you check out the guys. Arnie will be in a phenomenal mood because he is a Dolphins fan.
6: We're Wildcats. And, and, and
4: they, yeah. They were, uh, I think they were. They were taught a lesson uh, on Sunday, Brady, where the uh, I, Adam Gase, I think, after the game was quoted as saying, "Yeah, I didn't see that happening at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just didn't. You know, I thought we were better prepared. I guess not. It's so. it's
5: kind of like you mess with Big Brother, right? Like you can you can poke the bear a little <laughs> right. bit too much, and
4: and all of a sudden he just
5: humbles you. It's like, yeah, that three zero start that was nice. Um, you're you're not quite." you know, up to us, like up to our standard in the AFC East. So thanks for coming to Foxborough. We'll we'll see you later on this year.
4: Uh, Can you explain to me, we were supposed to discuss this a week ago. We didn't. And I even texted you during the week and said, damn it, I can't believe we forgot this. The quarterback walk. (laughs) Explain. I've never heard of this phenomenon before. The quarterback walk. Explain what the hell it is. It's it's
5: kind of hard to explain. Uh, I'll do my best. So most quarterbacks, for whatever reason, tend to be a little bit pigeon toed. Okay, so that's starters. So you're gonna have to picture someone with like the the inverted toe when they walk, and then uh, a little bit knock kneed. You know, and and almost because of them being knock kneed, that when they walk, they kind of you know it's not like their their footsteps are you know a little right and left of one another. It's almost like they're walking on you know like a line. Right, and they're kind of walking forward. And and then they've got – it's a little bit of a strut, almost like there's a limp there, but it's not quite a limp. And then they've got – if you look at their waist, they're going to bend a little bit forward, okay? So a little forward lean, a little bit of almost what could be construed as as a limp, uh, but almost kind of a strut or swagger with it, and then the combination of that being knock-kneed and, and pigeon-toed. And that's kind of the quarterback walk or the quarterback strut.
4: Okay. Uh, you just described one of the White Walkers off Game of Thrones. Uh, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Uh, how this is just uh, this very is ex- fitting. Then yeah. this is just exclusive to quarterbacks. Not yeah, not not the I, White I Walker part, but this is just exclusive to quarterbacks. I realize that sounded. Yeah, better. I think I think Aaron Rodgers
5: is the epitome of it. When you watch the way he <laughs> walks, his walk is exactly what I'm talking about. He would be the you know the textbook definition of this walk. Uh, Tom Brady's is right there too. Um, you know, he's got that pigeon-toed to him, kind of little knocky. Not as much of a forward lean, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's widely known. Any quarterback will tell you. Tony Romo would tell you. Um, and then it typically, it becomes more exaggerated after a touchdown pass. Like when you see that kind of strut off the field. Usually, at that point, um, there, there's a lot of kind of swagger to it. The pigeon-toedness even becomes more apparent. Uh, almost like you're walking over your feet. It's 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 well known.
4: You should make one of those posters, one of those evolution posters where they show the evolution of man and just show yeah. the different stages of a quarterback walk yeah, and, yeah. and just try and try and design something like that. That's, it's I've it's, never it's heard
5: almost the exact opposite of like how LeBron walks. Have you ever watched LeBron walk? He's duck footed. So he like walks with his feet out. Yeah. It's like the exact opposite, very upright. Almost more on his, his like toes, like he rises up,
4: you know, on each side, and yeah. it's completely different. I wish I would have walked around on my toes more often. I would add bigger calves. Yeah, that that really does a lot for you. I would I'd said I, if I could do have a do over, I'd walk around on my toes more often. I really think so. I think calves are more genetic anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree with that too. They're really hard it's really hard to work out your calves. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> So can we talk about Major League Baseball? Uh, Bobo is so upset. Yeah, Major League Baseball. I just don't get it. Uh, the morons the morons at Major League Baseball who decided that, you know what, uh, the NL Central and the NL West, uh, both those teams have played 162 games. They're both tied. The yeah. Cubs won the season series against the Brewers. The Dodgers won the season series against the Rockies. But you know what? We need one more game to decide yeah, the division winner. Game. Why not? What do you mean? Why not? Like, isn't every other sport decided on head-to-head matchups? That's that's the tiebreaker.
5: Yeah. Believe me, that makes all the sense in the world to me. But when you play 162 games, I don't really understand that either. So it, at this point, why? What's one more? It, it what's is, one more at this point?
4: It, it is bizarro world, man. It is banana hey, land. I feel that, bad for the Dodgers and Cubs. That
5: may be the case, but we're talking about baseball. Let's get back to live bed Jesus and this whole bed he's got. Yeah, not working out once again. Yeah,
4: man. unbelievable. <laughs>